Thank you for joining us on our journey here to preserve the history of mixed martial arts. When I wanted to take on this project, I needed help. I brought in one of my favorite matchmakers, Miguel Iterate, and the MMA detective, Mike Davis. So to do this, we've been able to preserve history. Welcome and enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Lights Out Podcast. I am the MMA detective, Mike Davis, along with me, my partner in crime, Miguel Iterate. And Miguel, we've got a very special guest. We've got Lion's Den member, former Lion's Den member, Tony Galindo with us. Tony, the Bull Galindo, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you. All right, so Tony, let's let's kind of build a little bit of a background. You started in bodybuilding. Right. And you won, I, I think you won uh, uh, the middleweight, Mr. Orange County, 1992. Yeah. And then you worked your way in with Dorian Yates. Am I correct? Well, I met him before I really got started in bodybuilding. Because my mom and her previous husband ran a world's gym. So I was all over the place. I ended up uh, meeting Dorian. Well, I actually met Billy Payne, which was one of his friends. And he's the one that asked me if I would be uh, interested in in looking after him when he came. Because uh, he doesn't trust people. And Billy and I became like quick friends. So that's how I met him. And he's the one that basically taught me everything. I mean, up to that point, man, I hadn't even smoked pot. So when I met Dorian, he was like, hey, can you get me some weed? And I was like, holy shit. You know, I, <laughs> I was a little a little cherry. And he was the one that basically broke me out of that. He's like, dude, you can't. You have to fucking try everything once before you judge anything. Otherwise, you know, you're just another asshole. So through him, I start. I learned everything: dieting, uh, drugs, all drugs, steroids, uh, recreational. So it it was a uh, it was a good thing, man. He was a good uh, uh, mentor for me. I was a little late, but you know, helped out because uh, I had a little more longevity in apartment. Well, back then too. People were a lot of, there was a lot of trial and error on steroids. There was no internet, so you couldn't look anything up. So it was just more handing information down to somebody, like from one person to another. And that would have been incredibly helpful, especially in a mixed martial arts world, that information. Right. Which is why when I was leaving the army and trying to find which place I fit in the most, Dorian said, dude, go with that dude that looks like a bodybuilder. He looks like he's he uses a lot of shit and you look like you fit right in. And he was right. You know, I called, uh, I think it was four or five months before I was going to get out of the army. I contacted the Lions Den and his wife uh, ended, email, ended up emailing me. And uh, that's that's how it got started. I, uh, who, who was your jump in? Like, how would, I shouldn't say who was, how would you describe your jump in to the Lion's Den? My initiation, you mean? Yes. It was in two parts. See, when uh, when I got to San Diego for my initiation, this was at the time when Ken was, like, big in the WWE, so he was constantly gone, and Basically, when I got to San Diego, I met him, but he said that I was going to go fly to Oklahoma to try out in Mikey's gym. And him and Mikey were, uh, 
guy and Mikey were going to uh, uh, do my my initiation, my tryout. So Guy Metzger, Mikey Burnett. Right. Okay. So how, do, how does it go? So I get to Oklahoma. It's hot as fuck. I am also fat as fuck because I got out of the military. And for me, it was a little different. You know, I, I left the military fucking loaded on steroids. I was a fucking monster. So doing uh, uh, two hours of cardio when you're, you know, <laughs> fully on all kinds of androgens and fucking anabolics doesn't really uh, work out too well for your muscles because you blow the fuck up. So I did I did everything that I needed to do. And right after the uh, end of my uh, calisthenics, the two hours of the shit guy uh, decides to say, ah, you failed. So go home. So I was like, whatever. We went back to Mikey's and that was the beginning because I could tell that dude didn't like me from the moment he met me. You know, the the, the feeling was mutual. Pete, Pete made fun of it because he said we are as opposite from each other as you can possibly get. Guys, Pete's guys, the pretty boy, you know, wants to be like uh, Hollywood. And I'm, I'm more of like a freak. Uh, um, how do I say this? I'm uh, just like in, in guy's eyes, I was more thuggish. Uh, I'm not sure what his, I can't put words in his mouth. It just the dude didn't like me. So he ends up calling Ken and telling him that I didn't pass. But when it comes to certain people that are going to be useful to Ken, he's going to make, it, it doesn't give a fuck what anybody else is. So Ken goes, that's okay. Send him back. I'll try him out myself. So... So, so wait a minute. So you said he went back to Mikey. Did Mikey vouch for you with Ken? No, 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 no. They, I failed there. I failed that tryout, which was like on a uh, uh, Saturday, the tryout itself. So I fly back to California on a, a Monday, and I'm beat the fuck, dude. Because if you do yeah. tryouts for the Lions then when you're doing running bleachers and fucking miles and – and uh, sit-ups, fucking push-ups, burpees, and you know, guy, guy was not gonna take it easy on me because, like I said, he didn't, he didn't like me in the first place. So instead of failing me right away, he made me go through the whole fucking thing to punish me before he was like, "Okay, you didn't make it, motherfucker, leave." So I was like, "Okay." I honestly, I didn't give a fuck because I knew there'd be uh, other teams that I could go to. My other two thoughts would be uh, Randy Cortours or Pat Militich, which were the other two at the time that were equally as impressive yeah. in, in, you know, in my in my mind. So long story short, I was like, fuck, but San Diego was the most uh, convenient because my family's from there. So long story short, I fly back. Once I get back to San Diego, then it it was bad because now – Ken's going to fucking try me out himself, and uh, he's going. He's going to. Uh, well, the good thing was I didn't have to do the calisthenics. The bad thing was I was already so tired and beat up. And you know, the second or third day, you're you're even worse. So Ken's like, "It's okay, don't worry about it." He goes, "Just meet me at the dojo at six p.m. and have somebody with you." Uh, that's these are all these great things that you learn later with Ken that are like little subtleties where you need to you wait to be able to drive home uh, yeah. yeah yeah you need to bring someone with you because you're not going to be able to leave by yourself so uh yeah it was <laughs> it's funny dude and look just so so you know and everybody knows i 
I absolutely love the whole time. I don't have anything against Ken because, you know, everyone's uh, I think somebody asked me if I had something to get off my chest. And to be honest, I think it was you that I sent that picture. I was like, in a way, no, nah, it's not about a, any complaints. I just want to uh, have these really cool times recorded for fucking prosperity, dude, because there absolutely. was some crazy shit. But anyway, long story short, yeah, meet me at the dojo at 6 p.m. So this is when everybody leaves because they're going to close it down because he's going to beat the fuck out of me. So I uh, I get there and <laughs> Vernon's like, hey, man, good luck. Uh, he's, Ken's waiting for you in the back. And I had my friend Matt with me who was in the army. And fuck, bro, it was it was quite the experience. And, you know, things that are very uh, traumatic in your life, you never forget. So, yeah, I walked into the back because the cage was in the back of the uh, Chula Vista of the first dojo. And Ken was already there warming up. And he's like, hey, man, yeah, just get your shit on, get in here. And uh, uh, what's your name? My friend's all mad. He goes, uh, yeah, you can uh, take the time. Just uh, let, let us know, uh, you know, uh, when, what did he say when, fuck. I think it was like 30 minutes had passed or some shit like that. And I was like, oh, fuck. So I, I don't remember the exact time. I'll just tell you this. As soon as we started, he took me down and began an, a relentless pounding. But I'm talking with elbows. And he started elbowing me. And all of a sudden, through one of those, I, I tried hugging him because I had experience. But it's like, I don't give a fuck how good you think you are, you know, when you're, you're an amateur and you meet someone like this motherfucker that gets on top of you. The uh, the experience in, in my mind that I could probably compare it to, I I guess that would be like what a gazelle must feel like when a fucking lion takes it by the neck and starts fucking <laughs> throwing it all over the place. And, and the thing's just like, ah, ah. you know, he just and, and he and I looked up because he's fucking elbowing me and I could hear the the impact from my skull and his elbow going like deep into my ear. Boom, and all of a sudden. It got really wet, and I was like, what the fuck? And I tasted it, and it was blood. It was really like, salty, and I was like, ah, fuck. I got to get the fuck out of here. So I, he stopped he stops elbowing me, and he grabbed my head like a fucking watermelon, and I thought, what the fuck? And I opened my eyes because I had my eyes closed because I was trying to hold on to him. And at this point, he's got both of his thumbs on the cut in my forehead, and he's trying to rip it open like a fucking, like a, like a cannibal, dude. I'm like, what the fuck? And I push his hands out of the way. And he goes, use the blood to your advantage. Use, use it to escape. I'm like, all this shit I remember. Because I, I thought, you know what? That's actually pretty fucking genius. At that time, we were, we were pretty sweaty. And I used the blood to get, it was a lot of blood, man. I used the blood to get out. I think, I think he, uh. No, he definitely let me like as soon as I got to the right type of fucking escape. But I was already too tired to really pull it off. But I think there at, at the moment I reached that, he was like, OK, all right, motherfucker, that's that's OK. Oh, let the escape. So then he turns around, he starts kicking me and kneeing me. I mean, the uh, the beating went on for what well, felt like forever in my mind. But uh, it was it was uh, a little over an hour until until he got tired because <laughs> because Matt Matt's taking the time and Ken's all, all right so I, that's, that's good that's good but by then I had all he had already popped my knee with a heel hook that was just fucking nasty 
he had popped a rib that he didn't break it, but it was out of place where I couldn't breathe. He broke uh, uh, my nose, dislocated my thumb, and um, and my and all the the cuts in my head. He 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 fucked me up, man. Like oh, and he he choked me out. The the this was this was fantastic. He chokes me out with a with the uh, uh, a shoulder choke on while he's mounted on me, and then he wakes me up, punching me in the face. So it was like that 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 experience right there could be described as I the fucking guy like takes me out, then all of a sudden I go into this wonderful place where everything was calm and gray, and all of a sudden I wake up to him punching me, telling me to move, move, and I was like, wow. So a lot of a lot of that shit was was uh, uh, like you see in the fights when the guy gets knocked out, but then the other dude keeps punching him, and he like wakes back up, and he's back in the fight. A lot of those fights, if the guy didn't wake him up, punching him again, the dude be out, the fight be over. But I can totally relate to that because he did that to me. He woke me up, punching me. And I was in a fantastic dream. But let me ask you a couple of questions, though. So, okay, so you left the military and made your way to the Lions then. And you mentioned kind of being a thug. So you... We're attracted to I was lions. a thug to, to the way he made me feel. The way Guy looked at me like I was a piece of shit, dude. Okay. You, wait, 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 wait. So just, just, just part, let me get proper context here. Tony, you're a street guy. There's no question yeah, about I'm, that. Look, I came out of the Army. My mouth is foul. I was kind of like, you know, ready to go. My energy is out there. And Guy, you know, my, my first experience meeting the guy is he meets me, gets in the car, and he goes, yeah, and I almost got into a fight with this fucking guy who was probably in his 80s in Dallas who cuts me off with road rage, and then he gets out of his vehicle with a cane, and he's like, I'll fuck you up. And he's like, you know who I am? I'm the king of pancreas. And to me, that that, that shit rang in my head because I thought, that's a fucking, what, a, what an egotistical fucking shit to say. But you know what? At the time, I didn't say shit. First of all, I, I wanted to be there and I wanted to do this. And my my reason for even disliking him the, the whole way was because you could tell right off the bat that we just the energy wasn't there. He looked at me like, you know, like you fat fuck. And I looked at him like, oh, you're the dude with the long hair that got his ass kicked at that first UFC. huh? So anyway. It's, no, it's no big deal. I don't have anything against the guy. You know, we, we I'm just telling you what how I felt of it. He never liked me. He, as a matter of fact, abused his uh, uh, standing in the den as often as he could. He'd bring one of his girlfriends and he'd be like, what's this? And he'd go, hey, go to my car and bring me everything that you find in my ash in my ashtray and uh, uh, hurry up. So I'd run to his fucking car, bring the shit from his ashtray. He's all, what's in there? Okay, now go put it back. <laughs> you know, that kind of shit, which it's hazing. But it's you yeah. only do that to people that you really want to fucking be a dick to. And it was pretty obvious since he's the only guy that did it to me that he didn't like me. But anyway. Yeah. My, my, my original question was going to be like... Uh, so you were attracted to Lions then for the fighting. You didn't come from the like wayward boys program, like you know, with Bob or anything like that. 
Fuck no, dude. Are you kidding me, man? I was okay. no, no, no. That's okay. Okay, we'll get to that later. I, I'm, I'm like, yeah, bro. And that's a whole nother subject, you know. We'll talk. We'll get to that. We go. Yeah, yeah dude. That's like <laughs> that's. I almost feel insulted, bro. <laughs> All right, wait. Hold on. No, I don't. And I didn't no, mean it I that know. way. I'm just I mean, kidding, man. I just okay. have me and Bob don't get ever got along either. Well, here, let's let me get this back on track. You also trained with Crazy Bob Cook. Am I no. correct? No. So you got there after Bob Cook left with Frank. Yes. Really? Now, yeah. did you get there right after, or was there a lot of space and time? There's a. I think there was a small. I, I'm. I, I'm. I'm pretty sure there was a small lap of space because this was all in Northern California. Then Ken ended up moving everything to Chula Vista, and they they were running that for I believe maybe a year, maybe two before I got there. And the people running that dojo when I got there were Vernon and Robbie Kilpatrick. Okay. Those were the senior instructors, the two. There was a couple students that were, because everything was shirt-oriented. Uh, you had shirt colors for ranks at the Lions then. Blue was the fucking, the top, you know, and you had, like, the 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 red was before, and uh, anyway. But, now, Robbie's yeah, related to Ken. That's his blood brother, am I correct? That's his yeah. real brother, yes. Yeah, okay. Um, if you watch House of the Dragon, I make this as a joke. That's Robbie is a real fucking target. You know, Frank is not is not uh, his blood related brother. Robbie is those you can and you can look at them and tell they're related. All right, so you were at the Lions then in 1999, though. Am I correct? I got there at 2000, right after 2000. 99 is when my Time was up in the uh, military. Okay. Okay. So Ken and Mark Hall had an issue back in the day. And it culminated in him getting his ass kicked, or I should say a fight at a casino. What was the issue over? And I, I believe you had an involvement in this at, at some point. Mark Hall? Yes, Mark Hall. Yeah, they had an issue over uh, Mark, Mark Hall disrespected Ken's uh, wife, I believe. I, I don't remember the exact things that were said. It's, it was the same kind of thing that, that uh, I think later on happened with Fry. You know, it was just a lot of shit talk. But with Mark Hall, he, he, made, he made a comment that uh, didn't fly. He got back to Ken. So, and this is now... This this altercation between Mark and Ken at the beginning happened right before I got there because this was one, one of my introductions to the Lions. Then was at my uh, I think uh, first or second King of the Cage, uh, not as a fighter, not me going there to fight, me going there with the entourage with Ken for whatever the reason or whoever it was that was fighting. Uh, Mark Hall was there and Ken was like. You know, all right, you and Vernon are going to come with me. I'm going to fuck this dude up in the bathroom. And you guys watch the door. So we we did. We went. We, we watched the door. And, you know, it was like a uh, cartoon, man. You get <laughs> you hear the, ah! And we were holding the door. It's like, hey, the, the bathroom, it's out of order. 
<laughs> people be like, okay. So, you know, you got two dudes that are there that are fighters. Everybody knows we're like, that. this is not working right now, man. You want to try a different bathroom. Okay. So, yeah, Ken beats the fuck out of him and then we leave. But there was a, a camera that was, <laughs> that was in there that I guess filmed it. So the casino ended ended up giving the, uh, the shit to Mark and then they, they, Mark sued him, but they settled out of court. And if I remember correctly, Ken was making fun of him because he said, you know, the dumb fucker settled for fighting me in uh, pride as the settlement. Because he'd make more money, he'd make more money fighting him in pride, even if Ken beats the fuck out of him, than he would in any settlement. But the, but then the whole thing with pride ended and they didn't get to fucking, so he didn't even get shit from there. So he settled for for nothing, but um, yeah, that was that was that. That's kind of weird though, because I mean, and maybe you, what was going on with Ken? Because by then, this is two thousand. This is that like right? He's been in the WWE, so he's the world's most dangerous man. Kind of the persona, all that. He's now at maybe his high point, and then going into Pride, his MMA career was still. You know, he was still a very big name. What guy, like most guys like that are trying to avoid, you know, fucking people up in bathrooms. You know, what, what was going on there with him? <laughs> he, he, he fucking insulted Ken in a, in, in a way that pissed Ken's ego. Or he probably said something about uh, his marriage or I'm not, I'm not sure the exact thing that was said, but it was enough for him to do something like that. So. Yeah, it, it was, you know, it, the Lions then was uh, not run like fight schools that it was, it was like a gladiator school, man. It was uh, I loved it. You know, I'm not, again, talking in any way negative for me. It was great. I I did things and I got away with shit during that that I probably couldn't or no one would be able to do that today, you know, with. Yeah. More cameras and more laws and more bullshit. People, people wouldn't. You get sued for the half the shit that uh, we got away with. Well, you said you started with the initiation. Ken beat you up. Yeah. What is your initial relationship with Ken like? And then how do you kind of know he's right after my accepted? initiation? My first right right after I go to I leave with my friend Matt takes me to the hospital. Then I have to deal with my dad to see at the time I was staying with my dad and my dad had no, no clue what fighting was like. He's, he's just a, a dude that retired. So I, I come, I go back from the airport all fucked up and I don't, I'm still not making money. So he looks at me from the, from coming back and he's like, this is what you want to do with your fucking life. This is what you want to do. Look at you. I'm like, that's okay, man, because soon I'm going to be doing this to all of them. And he was he was like, this is stupid. You're a fucking idiot. You know, he was my dad was never supportive of this, which, you know, understandably to him, he was like, you know, go take the gun and go fucking shoot them. I'm like, no, man, you're whack. So, yeah, after that, uh, literally, I had to start training again the, the week after. And I was, oh, I couldn't even breathe. So I had to go back to training. And then from training, I had to teach the, that was, this was the pecking order. When you, when you make the Lions Den team, 
you're like your job is to do the kids classes no motherfucker wants to do the kids classes you know kids are like fucking little demons and the parents are bringing them to you because they can't fucking handle them so half of them were coming in and this is no exaggeration half the parents would come in and be like are you the are you the teacher i'm like yeah they're all can you can you rough them up a little bit for me can you can you like you know kind of kind of you're a god in him because you know i i can't at home I, i've had it with sure, God be like, <laughs> so for me it became like yeah because I'm, I'm i'm i guess in that way yeah you could say i'm a little thuggish i'm like yeah sure I'll, I'll take care of that for you pops and you can sit there and you know i'll even tell him i used to do that i'd be all gangster out. i'd grab the kid and i'd be choking him slowly and i'm like do you feel it do you feel it you're about to go out and i'll go and then i go look at your dad over there look at him he 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 paid me to do this. And the kids, the kids be, ah, I'm just fucking with you. But yeah, I would, I would say shit that was completely out of hand. I cursed in every single kid's class. It was, uh, but it's no, I'm not going to get fired. So it was just like, you know, oh, that's just Tony. He's just a fucking army guy. So it's all good, dude. I, uh, I got to do the kids' class, and as soon as the kids' class was over, I had to clean the the whole fucking bathrooms, the dojo, and then once that was over, I had to go fucking babysit his fucking kids. And this this was almost every day because their mom didn't want to raise them, so she was always partying. So the young boys played a role in doing all this shit that, you know, they didn't really want to fucking do. Ken wasn't home because he was always traveling and doing his pro wrestling shit and making money. And the wife at home was spending the money and trying to find someone that would pay attention to her. You can't really blame her because dude was never there. So yeah, that is was, this, that uh, was is actually. This, is this what? the same woman? Is this the same woman? That I don't want to look, here's the thing. I'll, I'll, t- I'll talk to you guys freely about everything. But I don't want to. I don't want to go into names because I don't want to make hurt people's feelings. I, you can figure it out. This is, you know, his ex. So you know, and then he had a girlfriend, which was another part of the story that's huge. But and I'm with you, Tony. I, I totally. I, but one of Ken's ex-wives, and I, that's why I'm asking if it's the same one. She got like a, a little public role in MMA where she like got into the spat with Ken, but she managed Tito. And Tiki and was looking to manage fighters actively in the business. I I I don't I don't think that was her, bro. Okay, this, okay, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. No problem. <laughs> well, you said with Dorian, it took uh, Dorian Yates, it took a little bit of time because Dorian doesn't trust everybody. And then once you got in, he kind of mentored you and showed nah, you. No, with with me, with me, it was right away. Billy told me Dorian doesn't trust anybody, but he'll I'll tell him about you. So with for me with Dorian, it was literally right away. Like when I met him, the the like the first day that that I met him, because it was he was uh, staying in a hotel in Venice. First day that I met him with Billy, you know, he was in his room. The dude was like uh doing getting ready to do a photo shoot and he's fucking butt naked and shit so the dude had no issues with me it's like you know hey he called me towns he called me the hedgehog because i kept passing out to eat everything i was i was young I, when i met him i was like 17 16 but i was a fat little fucker man and i loved to eat so i'd eat and pass out and 
he, he started inviting me everywhere, but he'd be like, fuck, because he'd look and I'd be passed out, ah, drooling and shit, and he'd be like, this motherfucker. So he nicknamed me the Hedgehog. But, so, uh, but, there's, but there's a rite of passage there that, I mean, obviously you didn't go through with Dorian, but with Ken, when did you feel that he truly trusted you? Yeah, but hold on. Ken, Ken never fully trusts anybody, dude, in that sense. Ken just, and, and this is no not a rip on him, Ken just, just, uh, how do I say this? Um, uh, trying to be tactful. He, it just, it's, it's almost like he doesn't give a shit about a lot of stuff. It's not important to him. And it, it's, so it's not trust. It's just like, he's got, he's got no other options. You're, you're pretty much it. So, because with Ken, if let's just say, for instance, you're new, he doesn't fucking know you from Adam. But he's now having you babysit his fucking kids after, you know, <laughs> a week of meeting you and sleeping in his house. So in that sense, it's not like he trusts you. He knows that if you fuck up, he's going to kill you. So that carries more weight than trust, you know, the fear. Okay. And with Ken, at the beginning, you know, I could see that it was he, he people feared him more than they respected him because a lot of people didn't respect him, obviously, like. His wife and her family were managing the gym, but they were taking like they were they were managing it like it was their own private little bank. And they were spending all his money and, you know, using it for their personal shit. And that's why at the end, he ended up bringing Bob back into the picture because he fired everybody. So now the fuck's going to run the gym. And that's when Bob and Kevin Wu came back. Kevin would take over the, the computer shit and advertisement and bob would run shit because again it's not that ken trusted you it's that ken was making a shitload of money on the road he was he didn't have time he literally was gone like uh most of the week and he'd be home for a couple days and and on those couple days the dude was a fucking he was a true spartan dude if if i i truly believe like in the movie, uh, what was that movie? Sin City. Remember Marv? How how the dude in the bar says, you know, uh, Marv was born in the wrong century. That that whole explanation is Ken. Ken Ken would have been like in his heyday, fucking in a gladiator arena, just fucking smashing heads open, dude. That's that was like that. That's what Ken did. Ken would come home and instead of spending his time you know, doing shit at home with his kids. He'd come to the dojo and beat the fuck out of all of us. And then, but he was like a fucking lion. He, he, we'd be doing warming up and classes and training. He'd show up, do, you know, a little, he'd warm up. Fuck out of his knees and neck because I don't know if you guys know, but his neck's huge. This is another like insane fucking fact about the dude. He fucking did his entire career with a fused neck. That's why if you ever watch Ken, it's not that he's being cocky when he turns around like with his whole shoulders and shit. Like, no, his neck's fused. How insane is that? You know, like he could have gotten his neck broken from neck cranks and shit, but he was that good that never happened. So, yeah, the dude would come home on the weekends from being on the road. He'd come to the dojo. And if there wasn't a class, uh, I mean, if, if, if we weren't uh, scheduled to train, he'd be like, call Vernon, he'd call me, call call the, the guys that were, because, uh, you know, at, at the time I was there for the first uh, couple of years, 
we didn't have a fighting team. It was uh, me, Vernon, Robbie, a couple of the better students. And then we'd have like the road show of visitors from the Shark Tank or uh, who else, dude? Like Ken's, Ken's pro fighter friends or, you know, they'd be like the guest, guest, guest guy to beat the fuck out of because we were like, <laughs> we'd go, ah, we need to learn from him. So, and we, we were, we were, we were learning a really toxic uh, way of fighting because I didn't know any better. I learned really fast and I got really good because I didn't like getting the fuck beat out of me. So when you're, that's why the Lions then guys got so good so fast. A lot of them, you know, it wasn't that uh, you came from a long line of training and you were very experienced. No, it's that you got the fucking shit beat out of you so badly at the beginning that you either figured a way out naturally to get the fuck out and beat them up or you grabbed your shit and ran out because this ain't for you because there was no like you know okay man now we're gonna teach you how to block this because we're we're putting a lot of effort in you no instead of doing it that way we put more hurting in him to see if dude is he's either gonna quit or he's dumb as fuck because he's got to figure it out. So it was, it was, that's why a lot of the guys got so good so fast because Ken would come in and Ken, Ken doesn't, Ken doesn't teach you like, you know, no, 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 turn this and hold it. No, Ken, Ken was like, uh, yeah, like, like the fucking superhero or the monster. He'd show up at the dojo and every motherfucker in there got quiet because you're in your mind, you're like, is he going to call my name first? You know, that's like, you, you, you don't want to be first because, you know, and then in your mind, you're like, no, but if you're first, he's going to it's gonna get done with you the fastest. No, no, no. You know, you're, the, the, the motherfucker was so freaky that everybody's like, you know, just waiting and shit. And sure as fuck, he, he would beat the fuck out of you. Like, you know, have you ever watched all these uh, videos when they complained, their stuntman complained that Steven Seagal was being too rough with him? on uh on filming and you know everybody hated his ass you know i'm in my mind i'm like you motherfuckers don't even fucking know you have no idea what that really is you know because they're a stuntman get hit once Start take we were the fucking punching bag and then he's choking you and if you don't and, and in, in the lion's den with ken's training with you and this you can ask any of the old school dudes there is no tapping on chokes so you either get out or you go to sleep and we'll wake your ass up, which which, by the way, I, I carried that all this all this toxic fucking behaviors. I carried on to my school and did to all my fucking students, which is terrible. But a lot of them became really, really productive members of society because they kept telling me that, you know, I I taught them that life and fear was nothing. And, you know, I'm like, thanks, bro. But deep down inside now, I'm like, fuck, I choke these motherfuckers out and they fear for their life. And I'm slapping up. <laughs> I'm like, see, it was nothing, right? And they're all, yeah, nothing. I'm like, ah. But with Ken, it wasn't quite that friendly. That motherfucker would put you out. You wake up, like, as soon as he saw you moving, he'd fucking go do it again. The, the worst, I don't remember... Who it was that got choked out three times in a row? My, for me, it was two times. And this was during my initiation. But like I said, so you learn 
how to escape fast dude, with like, you know, and I thankfully was loaded on steroids. So I was not a weak person. So I was able to frame and use my fucking, my muscle to, <laughs> to survive. And that shit helped me get fast. Uh, but by the way, once I began training with Lions Den, I also understood which drugs were best for fighting because what's good for bodybuilding is not good for fighting. But certain drugs that were good for cutting when you're training for, for bodybuilding and cardio were absolutely fantastic for fucking fighting. And I put everyone from Pete to other, I, I can say Pete because he's my bro and he knows I'm going to do this. The other fighters, let's just say pretty much all the guys in California were, were loaded. I think the Lions Den, and this is the only kudos I'll give Guy, is I think the differences between the Lions Den in California and Guy's Lions Den is, Guy's Lions Den is were the guys that did not like drugs, uh, prostitutes, uh, and crime would like to go train at. But, but the guys that were into, you know, Pulp Fiction type of life, crime, uh, a lot of whores and drugs and, and illegal substance tra uh, transportation from country to country. California was the place, man, because we had the fucking best time of our lives doing this shit. Well, you, you know, you, you kind of personally answer my next question. So you talk steroids. When does the team finally approach or people from the team about your knowledge of them and how to take them? That's why Ken wanted me. Because you knew from the get-go, hey, Dorian told me I'd come with you and, you know, I, it'd be great if I could fucking share knowledge. And, you know, I'm pretty sure I told him right off the bat, I, I, I'm i pretty sure you already got a good supplier. We assumed it was his friend who cornered for him because his friend was fucking massive. So we kind of knew from from logic and deductive reasoning that that was probably his supplier at the time. But I had a good... Um, I had a good, how do I say this? I, I, I knew that being that I would was going to have a ton of fucking drugs with me anyway, he'd be, you know, I was bringing the candy. I needed to make sure he was going to love me no matter what. I needed to be useful and I needed to be needed so that he wouldn't get rid of me because I wanted to be a pro fighter. So I came and as soon as I met Ken, I told him, you know, whatever you need, I'm fucking, I'll get it for you. And if you need me to tell you, you know, what works for this or that, you know, in a way, because Ken himself, they were they were using drugs that were not good for fighting because they were not the guy that he was getting them from was not fighting himself in that sense. So I'm not uh, but I can't say that because I know all his his close buddies trained with him, but buddies and real fighters are not going to get treated the same, though. So but yeah, right off the bat, he knew. He knew my 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 worth and value was going to be in drugs and knowledge more than anything. And then I happened to have a fucking amazing right hand, an overhand right, which yeah. was like the, the sweet bonus. Because the first time he felt it, he was like he hit the floor and he got up and he's like, that's beautiful. He get, he was happy. Then he fucking <laughs> he grabbed me and knocked me the fuck out with a knee to the face to let me know that was a lucky shot and he's still the king of the fucking cage so and this was in the ring but yeah he, he as the first time i dropped him he like 
You could tell he was happy. He was kind of pissed because I dropped him, but he was happy because, ah, this guy's got good hands. So he got up, he grabbed me, smiled, and he need the fucking, he need me in the face. And I fell down and I was like pretending that it was so hard I couldn't move because if I didn't, he was going to fucking keep going. So, but well, here, you, you'd mentioned like just different, like, balance of regards to substances and he wasn't on the right one you got there around 2000 so it was february 24th wasn't i think that the 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 ones that he was using would it they they weren't good cardio drugs because see the problem with with a lot of the steroids is that the, the their main thing is to put water in the muscle but some of them will pump your muscle so fast with water and sugar that you can't move anymore. It becomes engorged. It, it locks up. You're like, bah. that's why we've ever watched the biggest motherfuckers on the planet that I know are on steroids. If I ever see one anywhere, even now old, they're like, ah, I'll fuck you up. I'd be like, I'll, I'll fuck you up. Cause I know if I make that dude walk 10 paces, he's not going to be able to fight. Well, well you're, that, that, that's my question. So August 27, 2000 pride 19, Ken Shamrock fights Fujita and while okay. winning the I'll I'll tell you straight up it I personally believe that the reason because he had a heart attack. Okay. And the he reason was, he said PD my heart and he quit. Yeah, he 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 could see for Ken to have anyone throw the towel for him, like when Pete <laughs> when Pete threw the towel, he was like, dude, for that motherfucker to ask for the towel, I, I knew he was probably gonna die. <laughs> So I just fucking, I knew something was really wrong. And uh, and for me, from my personal opinion, I think he was, uh, he had, he had a heart attack, not steroid related at all. I think it was stress related because he was uh, breaking up with someone that he really loved and he was having a lot of personal, he's having a lot of problems, uh, financial with, with his life. So I think, I think the, the, the reason he had the heart attack was more of a, of stress related uh, issues. You know, he's going to probably hear this and he may correct me, but everything I'm telling you guys is how I remember it. Let me jump in there with another theory. Were you with Ken uh, against Fujita in the corner? Were you, did you go to Japan? No, I didn't get to go to Japan. I trained with him all the way up to the fight. Okay. Now, Cause there's an interesting theory. And what do you think of the idea that somebody may have slipped him some, some something, slipped him something there? That's like, silly. You don't need to slip him anything. At the time, he was fucking doing crystal and fucking coke, and we were doing so many drugs that, you know, and then on top of that, he had the stress of all the fucking personal issues. But by the time he was getting ready for the Fujita fight, this was like at the end of the of, of his um championship run yeah like he's you know what i mean like this years. is towards the end of of what yeah. used to be ken and his yeah. the aura of ken and <laughs> by then yeah he was still because we partied hard man we'd go over to his house that was above the stadium and there would be every drug you could imagine on the table so it was like it was we loved it man it was we were living the gladiator life you know it was drugs bitches it was like fuck it was it was awesome we fought, got laid, got high, and fought again. And then we'd go on the weekends to work as bouncers at these high, high-end uh, clubs with very wealthy people. 
and intimidate the fuck out of them, you know. Sometimes a few of the fighters would bang the fucking wives and bang rich ladies in the club. Dude, it was like they lived the gladiator life. It was it was uh it was the best. It was the best of times. At least it was for me. I I couldn't tell you like uh, I look back now and, and all the shit that that we got away with and did, and I think, damn, we couldn't be able to do that now. <laughs> For one, everybody would be filming this shit. In a way, it'd be cool because I'd love to see some of that stuff. <laughs> but you know, it's a double-edged sword because I probably wouldn't want to know the fallout of such things. But so you'd mentioned Pete Williams. You guys were pretty close. How we still are. With, we had a fallout. Like- midway but then we became friends again because see the when when i started working there's a lot of stuff dude i don't know if we're gonna have enough time today but i'll be as best as i can we can always pick pick up more and talk okay. again yeah. but there was there was a time where i was working at that downtown club and there was a lot of the fighters that would come work with me so we had uh at rock bottom brewery the the piano bar next door that was called uh uh, rock, uh fuck whatever it was called anyway we we would be managing the the piano bar and one one time man i'll be quick on this story we had this girl who was big tall girl uh started working there she she got cocky with me so i ended up tricking her and i told everyone at the bar because she she embarrassed me in front of everyone so i was so my ego was so bruised that i told everyone back back in the back that I was going to end up banging her in three days time to get back at her. And then I was going to dump her just, just to, to prove that, you know, what she said was wrong. And I ended up doing it. And the day it happened, she ran out of the room and Pete ended up running after her. He was like, you're an asshole. Cause you know, I, I did that. So Pete and her ended up becoming an item and then uh fuck there was one guy that that made the team his name was bernard a kickboxer kickboxer from europe a pro kickboxer from europe and this is why i don't want to get too much into this and pull out of the ken part because i know that's what you guys want to hear but but the crazy shit was bernard was lebanese and he needed to stay in america and i convinced that girl to marry him so she meant he marries her and pays her but then the chick wants to try out for the Lions Den team and convinces Ken to let her. So guess who was watching me? Because I'm the guy they picked to try her out. Oh. And as I'm jumping her in, and we shaved her head too. And as I'm jumping her in, Guy happens to be visiting California. And he sees the guy he doesn't like beating the fuck out of a female. Like, I choked her out, slapped her, woke her. I mean, I, like, it was like watching one of those old fucking pimp movies from, like, you know, back in the 70s. I I was all over her and made her cry. But you know what? She never quit. Like, I was, I had her in tears, but she never quit. And she made the team. She, she made the team in a 10 times tougher fashion than young boy John. So that should show, tell you that chick is a true Lions Den fighter versus young boy John, who who faked his way in. Well, here let's let's that brings us to our next. You're talking about <laughs> John. Shit, Cooper, bro. Wait, wait. You're talking about John Coperhaven, War Machine. Yeah. 
So you're you're claiming that it wasn't a real try and why don't you describe I'm, not I'm the guy that that had to fucking cheat for him to make the team because this is towards the end when Ken and his and the girl he loved break up. Now he's living in an apartment. His apartment's a fucking pig's tie because he's got no one fucking cleaning after him. At that time, Ken had everyone doing everything for him. So he had absolutely no no uh, domestic skills or wants. And he was doing so many drugs and he was on benders that it was it's never going to get done. So it was always one of us that would go over there to do his laundry or do his fucking bed or because that's how it was. Well, long story short, uh, when young boy John uh, came out to try out his tryout, first of all, was not with everyone else because the team, the guys that made the first tryout, the, the the other young boys, they tried out two weeks beforehand. He had some issues with, with his parole officer, so he couldn't make the tryouts. So then he comes to the tryouts. Go ahead. With the guy from Europe. Him and a guy from The guy from, from Europe just happens to be coming for the tryouts anyway. So they, 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 they tell John after he's cleared for coming down for the tryouts to show up on this weekend where that guy from England was going to be there for the tryouts. So we get to the, I get to the, to the gym and this fucking cunt is 45 minutes late to the fucking tryouts. Right. So at, at the tryouts start at eight in the morning. Young boy, John gets there at fucking nine. And by the time he gets there, this English guy had already been doing an hour of, you know, 500 pushups. He did 500 sit-ups. He did 500 squats. He did fucking dude. He, he did. So much shit that by the time young boy John got there, the dude could barely fucking breathe and move. And Ken walks up to me because I thought I this is this was the day I started to like lose respect for Ken because the Lions then became a joke that day to me. So Ken walks up to me and he goes, hey, I need you to do me a favor. And I'm like, what's up? He goes, I need you to make sure this this fucking kid makes it. The look on my face was like, because I wanted him to beat the fuck out of this fucking piece of shit the same way he beat the fuck out of me. And I wasn't late. I was just told that he was just told by guy that, you know, I didn't make it. I was no good. So I, I being, you know, in the mentality of like, hey, if I had to go through this fucking shit, this fucking bitch better go through it. Otherwise, he's not legit. In my mind, and in Pete's mind also, because he, he couldn't fucking believe it either. But, hey, he's probably going to be Ken's bitch, so just do it so you don't have to do the fucking work. And that stayed in my head. Okay, so then I was willingly cheating for this fucking cunt. Like, he's supposed to do 500 sit-ups, 500 squats, 500 push-ups. He did 25 sit-ups. He did maybe 30 squats because I was counting. Come on, man. 25. Come on. Move it. 38. Come on. Come on. You're almost there. 51. Come on, man. I skipped fucking 10 goddamn uh, <laughs> every time I would do anything. So the guy wasn't legit. He didn't do shit. And as soon as he warmed up, because that's all he did is warm up while this other fucking guy from England was Dead for he he did that dude should have made the fucking team because he had heart versus this other fucking punk who was fucking worthless, dude. 
He was so worthless. Look where he's at now. But anyway, my personal opinion is is it's not neither here or there. I'm just telling you how I felt because I felt betrayed that I went through all this shit. Now here's this fucking jackass getting a pass because he's gonna take that. But but I did it because the alternative was worse. I don't want to be doing this shit for that dude anyway. So as soon as young boy John becomes a fighter, because, oh, by the way, as soon as he's done with his bullshit fucking tryouts, we have him fight the other dude. And whoever wins makes the team. What the fuck is that? The tryouts where I went through, we got the fuck beat out of us until we couldn't move to see if we were worthy. But now all these young boys that came after me, all they did was fight each other. And the winners became teammates. The losers left. So is that Weird. really the Lions then? Nah, I don't think so. But times change, right? As the evolution of the pussification of society keeps going, hey, hard times create uh, strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times creates John Copenhaver. John Copenhaver creates terrible times. And then that brings us back to the tough men. Wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. So, John Copenhaver, how was he on Ken's radar before the tryout even starts? Uh, well, his they everybody wrote letters to Ken for the to Kevin and Ken at the Lions then that wanted to try out, and John was the perfect fucking type of body for Bob because he loved fucking he loved guys, bro. Bob Bob was. Uh, he had a sweet tooth for fucking good-looking young kids, all right? But it, he didn't – in front of me, he never molested anyone. I believe that he was more like like, like eye candy, like what, a, what we do at a strip club where you're just like, fuck. You just love being around him because it's – you know, you're close to the titties. I think he was just happy to be close to the cocks and the fucking muscle because it's, it's – I'll tell you what. Bob was overprotective of his of his chosen fucking beautiful man, his Michelangelo's, but he didn't give two fucks when we tried him out because you should have seen this, dude. And I, I'm just saying this. And this is my personal opinion. Right. I remember when I fucking tried out Ben Thompson, who became he was a wrestler, a, a, a wealthy kid from Simi Valley whose parents paid big money for Ken to try him out and because he made the team but then he went back to become a fucking hotshot wrestler his parents hooked him up by bringing him over to us we showed it we turned him into a fucking man a freak he was a virgin after he left he'd gotten laid he did every drug in the fucking book and he was a stud fighter so i'm sure that dude grew up like the, a spartan in one fucking season with us motherfucker but anyway with Bob, bro, that when I tried out Ben, I beat the and Kevin Kevin was there. I beat the fuck out of Ben. Kevin was filming it after I was finished beating the fuck because Bob Bob was there watching the whole thing with hate. Every time I pound this, I was pounding him, and Bob was like with his eyes, if he could kill me, dude, I'd have been torn to pieces, fucking in the worst way possible. But as soon as I got done beating the fuck out of uh, Ben. Bob got to come in and nurse him. So, and, oh, dude, you should have seen his face. It was like, you know, a fat person being let into the best buffet of their life. He was just like, oh, he got down. 
he curled, he cu he cuddled his head. He used the towel and he was patting him and he was, he got to take him back, lay him down and patch him up, like take all his wounds and, and you know, take care for him. But you could see how he was just like, you know, he was thirsty, man. It was like the best fucking time of his life. So I could tell why he was there. It was, it was no big secret, but uh, that's, you know, sad, but it's been true. I, I got a, a, a question in terms of Pete Williams. You mentioned that, you know, you had that moment where you felt like the Lions then was, you know, cheapened itself and, you know. Had yeah, kind of with John and with the other guys that got to fight themselves, but at least the guys that fought themselves, that, that fought other guys to make the team, a lot of them became, you know, good, good, uh, good in their field. Uh, I don't think uh, any of them became pro now that I think about it. I think the uh, only one that did anything – no, I can't. I can't think of any of those guys that because they never fought while I was there anyway for the Lions. Then it so. doesn't sound like like a real like environment where like you guys sit around. Hey, we we'd like to talk things out, you know. We we you know. But Pete may have probably felt betrayed when Frank left. He probably felt betrayed, you know, when Ken left them kind of hanging at the UFC. And and mentorless and stuff like that. Had you not talked about that, or you know, did not some of that not show? And, like he had let people down before. You're not the first one. Well, and, you know, well, personal. I mean, you, look, he didn't he didn't let me down. He let himself down because that was his legacy. It didn't let me down. I I was living the dream. I just was I was pissed off that this fucking kid who was also disrespectful. Because when he walked in, I'm like, you're a fucking hour late, man. And he's like, so? Talk to Ken. And I wanted to beat the fuck out of him. But Ken was like, no, 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 he's special. Why? Why is he special? But all the guys that had good physiques and looked a certain way, Bob loved. So, you know, he, he liked being around him. Again, I, I never saw him do anything inappropriate. I just think. He just liked them, and he was thirsty, and that was the thing he loved to do. So, well, how was John after he made the team? Did you guys ever kind of bond, or no, 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 no. I never, no. I just told that fucking dude what his job was, and I didn't deal with him because I didn't want to get fucking yelled at over whatever he would tell them. So I, I just told him what to do. It was kind of like handing over the the reins to this kid. And then he's the one that had to start driving over to Mexico to get drugs for him for training or had to go buy, had to go pick up his, his recreational drugs from Ken's contacts. We didn't have to do that shit anymore. He did. So, but he also had to deal with shit that we didn't have to deal with anymore. Like uh, at that time I was already living with my girlfriend, my, my trophy girlfriend at the time who was the, a ring girl for uh, King of the Cage. Talking about Ert so, Werner, yeah. So I was happy. Look, I, I, I straight up, I think she was my kryptonite because I hadn't lost a fight till I met her. But <laughs> I was happy as hell getting laid because she was like the the uh, the girl I've always wanted to nail. You know, like the uh, the the big German chick. So I was having a great time, and to me, it didn't matter. We ended up having a. <laughs> a fight in New Jersey, which was a rigged fight by the mob. 
So we end up going with uh, a couple of the guys from the gym, Ken and uh, Joe Hurley fought that night. Ken fought Sam the Experience. I was supposed to fight this dude, but my fight ended up being given to to uh, to Phil Baroni. And they said, well, wait, I, I didn't wait, 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 physical. What? Wait, wait. So you were on the card. It was supposed to be you. Again, some guys from from uh, from not it was, so where the, the fuck is world, the uh, the Dracula Castle? It was World Mixed Martial Arts Association. Enter the Lions Den. Yeah, yeah, that fight. I was supposed. You can see the poster. I was supposed to fight that guy, and then I went to do the physical. But the mob had rigged the whole fucking show. My fight. They 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 first come out and tell me that. I didn't pass the physical because my blood pressure was too high. Well, telling Tony that shit made my fucking blood pressure fucking high. I was like, what? So I fucking, I lost the dude. And Ken gets talked to by the doctor. And then Ken comes over. He tells my girlfriend to do whatever it takes to keep me happy and out of like making a scene. So that entire weekend, I was told I wasn't fighting, but I had more sex in that casino with my girlfriend than I probably did in our entire relationship. We even had sex while Ken was in the ring fighting Sam the Experience underneath the bleachers in the back. And then we got caught. So we ended up leaving and then we went and we're having sex in the women's bathroom and we got caught again. It was the best, bro. That was like really, really, really good well, memories. You said the mafia fixed the fight. I was huh? just gonna yeah. Right. So you said the mafia fixed the fight. Was it? Yeah, they fixed it because they had made bets on who they wanted basically to win and who they didn't want fighting because they were un un um what the fuck's the word where you don't know unsure like an un uh okay. it, it wasn't a for sure thing like there was m m myself and Ray were looked at as a uh, possible possibility that we may win. So they were wanted... you supposed to fight Phil Baroni? No, I'm, I was supposed to fight some guy from uh, Transylvania or wherever that fucking place is, some, some foreign dude. And then they ended up giving my fight to Phil Baroni for some reason. And then Ken ended up fighting Sam. But these were all fights that were like pretty, pretty easy for the guys that won them. Like Ken... Ken basically gave a clinic. He literally did what he does when he does seminars. It was like he could have had a microphone and beat this fucking guy. It would be like he walks up and they're like, you know, are you ready? You ready? And they go and Ken just walks up, shoots, takes him down, side, side, side mount, hammerlock. The guy, tapped. it was almost like pro wrestling. It wasn't staged. It was legit. He legitimately did that, but he did it so fast. That it was like, eh, eh. It was it was done because they knew it was he was. There was no way this other dude would beat Ken. It right. was you. You mentioned uh, Terry uh, King of the Cage. How was it dealing with Terry Troublecock? Awesome. I love Terry, but Terry loved me. I became I became someone that was um, good for business because either people loved me or hated me for obvious reasons. And my first fight is what did it did it with Terry. They they treated me 
extraordinary because I was with the Lions then. I didn't go backstage with all the other fucking people. I was in a special place by myself where there was food, air conditioning. It was beautiful. I was in there drawing like really hitting the blackboard because I like to draw. I was drawing a lion destroying a gazelle and shit like that the whole time. Joe Hurley was in there keeping me mellow. And then when I... and then, and then Terry walks in and tells me, because I think it was either Ken or Vern. I had to be Ken. I think Ken went and told Terry to piss me off because I was one of those guys that fought really good when I was pissed off, which was the opposite <laughs> of what's supposed to happen. So here comes Terry, and he tells me that my opponent, Kurt Rojo, was calling me a bitch and saying that, you know, I'm – I'm not even I'm not even a fighter because I have no experience. And I was like, oh, yeah. So I went in that fight already wanting to hurt him. And then it gets even better. Here comes my father to my first fight with the Lions then. And he looks at me and he goes, you better not lose, man, because you're going to embarrass the whole fucking family. Dude, at that moment, it was because of my dad, I think, that I became a psycho because when he said that i was like i told uh my uh uh joe early i'm like get that fucking get that motherfucker out of here dude because i was like fuck and he goes and i hear him outside of the fucking door he sees ken and he's like ken is he really ready man he's not gonna get his ass kicked is he and i was like that fucking cock so as soon as they let us go i just wanted to hurt this dude really bad and i did but I felt like he cheated me because as soon as I hit him, he went down. And I was like, no. So I jumped on him just to get that aggression out. And I felt like I was going to, it was going to be like blue balls of aggression if I didn't get that out. So I jumped on him a few more times to get a few more hits. And Larry got me by the throat. Well, for me doing that, I became, you know, everyone's like, that guy's a fucking psycho. So immediately Terry comes and he's like the happiest fucking man. He's like, man, that was amazing. He's like, can you do that again? I'm like, do what again? He goes, go nuts. I'm like, I guess I go, but, and then, and then they interview me and I'm saying, you know, yeah, he called me a bitch. Then I finally meet the fucking guy, Karo. And I felt terrible because he's like, Hey, I don't know what they told you. But I never called you anything. I didn't. I, I don't even know who you are. So I just want you to know that I have nothing against you. And I was like, fuck, I'm a listen, man. They used you. They used you to make me angry at you. And that's just fucked up. But it's all good. And hey, wait a minute. Wait, you said he wanted you to do it again. Your second fight, King of the Cage 6. Oh, the second fight, he had, he had Larry come into my room and tell me. It get, I'd get an extra bonus if I could if I knock him out and go nuts. Larry would have me. Terry's like, uh, Larry will handle it. Don't worry about it. You go nuts. So, yeah. And I'm going to be honest. The first time I told you straight, I just needed to get that fucking, that aggression out because I felt like I wasn't going to. And the second fight, which lasted way longer, and when I hit the dude and cracked his orbital bone and he fell, and if you notice, and I'm going to tell you so you can go back and watch it. If you notice the second fight, when the dude hits the ground and goes into the fetal, I go, I put my knees on his ass, and I start punching him in the back of the shoulders. 
it was it was a controlled pro wrestling style beat. I did hit him, but I was hitting him in the shoulders. So, but but the way it looked to you guys and everyone, it was like he's going crazy, which was great because that's what was going to be my thing. You know, if I knock you the fuck out, I'm going to make it look like I'm killing it. But it was. But uh, they used it. They used it in all their promo reels, their King of the Cage documentary. Like they really got a lot of miles out of that. That's good. Something no one. It's it's not something anyone can do. You know, when I was a fucking teenager, man, and I saw the first Bloodsport movie, and I saw that Frank dude supposedly had that world record knockout. When I did mine, I was like, that bitch ain't shit. But, you know, then I later found out that the guy was full of shit. But I just, it stayed in my mind because, you know, he was supposed to have like a couple second knockout. Okay, well, we're here. So King of the Cage, you obviously dated one of their ring card girls for a while, Oot Werner. The guy that got the ring card girls was went by I badass. brought her there. I, 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 Uta wasn't part of the uh, King of the Cage. I met her at the piano bar. She was a Bacardi girl that came in to do a Bacardi promo. And when I saw her with those pants dressed up like she was, I was like the my inner little Spartan was like, dude, we need to get that. So immediately I went up to her and started just being me. I introduced myself and uh, she told me she had a boyfriend and I told her it wouldn't be a problem. I'll get rid of him right away. But I was joking, but I wasn't. And uh, we became really good friends because I told her I was going to train her and get her in even better shape. That I knew would be irresistible to a girl that has an ego as big as hot girls do. All right. So, the, okay. So the guy that would get the regular ring card girls, obviously not this one. He used to go by badass Snoop. He was kind of a criminal, kind of known for sucker punching nope, people. I don't know him. All right. He gave an interview from jail saying that you two fought before. No, I don't even know who he is. Never I'm, until right now, I've never even heard that dude's name. Okay, he was kind of famous for knocking out uh, Willie Yorin or Joran, former world champion boxer at a bar. But you know, I, he, he gave an interview out of, out of curiosity. Did he beat me up or did I beat him up? Of course, he beat you up. Ah, yeah, no, I I don't even know who he is, but that's great. Okay, all right, that's that's fair. Um, did Terry Treblecock ever pay you to go a little extra crazy? Like, what was the amount that you guys agreed on? Uh, bro, it was back in the day. It was like 500 bucks as a bonus. But nice. that was like, back then, it was nothing. I would have done I did it for free, to be honest with you. I was still going to do it because it was fun. And I knew the crazier I got, the more I would become a household name in the circles of fighting because no press is bad press. Yeah. I learned a no, lot of this sure. shit from Dorian, man. For sure. So... When War Machine was doing all the houseboy chores for Ken, one of the rumors regionally was that Ken was trying to maybe get into the ecstasy trade. How true is that rumor? That was actually before Young Boy John came. What happened was, was Ken had okay. Ken had a group of people that were uh, not fighter related, that were outside uh, of the realm, that were all in the connected to pro rap and entertainment and other things from San Diego. A lot of those guys would, would basically 
sell or trade or suppliers with the recreational drugs, whether it was ecstasy was the number one thing we used. Because from the get-go, you asked me at the beginning, and not to backtrack, I'm just going to set set up the, the situation. From the beginning, one of the very first things that you have to do as Ken's bitch boy is you got to be the designated driver on the weekends and take him out when he's home. Because, again, he didn't stay home with his wife and kids. We take him. Like, for me, my, my first uh, couple months, every time he'd get home, I would go pick him up in my car, and we'd drive to go get – uh, uh, some drugs or get loaded from his girlfriend contact who was uh, uh, managed the stripper club. She would hook us up with whatever it was that Ken needed, ecstasy or, or crystal or whatever. So then from there, we'd go to Tijuana because that was the easiest and best place for, for any of us to get Anything. laid quickly. So he'd have a ton of, you know, younger girls that would be flocking at the, at him because he's fucking pro he's Ken. So we'd get there. A lot of them were already drunk and he'd take a couple chicks and we'd drive back to the U S at the time, obviously he's married with his family at home. So I drive him to my dad's house because my dad at the time wasn't home. This is after I made the team. This is a little later in life. So I would drive him to my dad's house and he'd fuck him in my dad's room. And then I would take him home. So but then we'd also no. this 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 happened in a lot of different ways because I, I also would take him to titty bars and you know it was great for me but I didn't get to do shit I couldn't I couldn't uh, drink couldn't do other things but I would be doing a lot of fucking cocaine and opiates and um, yeah I was loaded on steroids we all were so hey, let me let uh, me ask you just just and to... wait I want to I want to finish answering his question. So lo and behold, we end up uh, uh, meeting this one dude. His name was Mikey. And he was the hookup for, for ecstasy. But he was uh, supposed to be, supposedly he was, are you guys there? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Supposedly the, the, the dude was in making gay, gay, he was a gay porn star. So right. long story short, Mikey was supposed to get Ken uh, 20,000 hits of ecstasy that Ken paid for. So Mikey rips him off, just straight up rips him off, dude. And Ken, fuck it, because in, in Mikey's head, he thought this high-profile wrestler is not going to do shit to me because, you know, what's he going to go tell the cops that I fucking ripped him off with ecstasy? So anyway, long story short, Ken ends up calling me. And he's like, I need you to go do a job for me. And I'm like, what's up? He's all, this is what happened. And I need you to go over there and sauce him out, find out. If it feels like they're lying and rip me off. And if it is, let me know. Cause you know, this is bullshit. And I'm like, okay. He goes, they're telling me a story that they got robbed by two gigantic Mexicans that came in from the bathroom, but they have a giant Rottweiler. That's pretty aggressive. Supposedly the Rottweiler was terrified. And so long story short, I go over to fucking Mikey's house. He's there with his, with his girlfriend who was the real brains behind everything. And uh, this this dude, first of all, was terrified when I showed up. Not because of me, but because of the whole situation. You know, I'm, I'm like, they're like uh, jewels from Pulp Fiction. You know, <laughs> trying to find out if uh, he's got that briefcase for me. So I uh, start asking questions. 
And yeah, both of them were fucking they 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 acted terrified and then they showed me the bathroom and the window was way too small for mind you anybody to get into but two big Mexicans. And yeah, I, I stayed there for hours and I told Ken that it was bullshit, but he didn't do anything about it because what's he gonna do to him? Right? This is different than someone in the in the circle of everyone knows him insulting him like Mark Hall versus this dude. So yeah, the dude ended up just straight up ripping him off. And that was his extent of, of his venture into into dealing that shit because obviously it was not worth it or not in the realm of possibilities for the dude. I, I wanted to ask you a question too. Just like you're a lion's den guy, so obviously Ken's the, the godfather kind of thing there. Am I a lion's den guy? For sure. Not really. <laughs> At this time that, that you're talking there, and, and what I mean is, I, let me, the real fast question is, when you find a king in the cage, you're making a thousand bucks. You were talking about a $500 bonus. Ken was in WWE at this point. I think he had like a $300,000 contract. Yeah, but make- wait a minute. Making $1,500, that doesn't mean I'm making the fucking money because a lot of it goes to Ken. That's what I was going to ask you. Was he still? Yeah, a lot of it goes to Ken because he's the one that makes it possible for you to fucking be there in the first place. Okay. So you were so paying. I, that's how it, hey, everything that he did, I did with my guys because I learned everything from him from from running the dojo to even how to even how to lose it i learned everything from him you know i was i was also yeah. a terrible businessman so <laughs> the same shit all right okay. you miguel i gotta get this out of the way there's two people that really helped us with this this putting this together crowbar contacted tony linked us together Gave me all of his notes. The dude is just fantastic. Shout out to Crowbar, as well as Bud Hammer. Fred Hammer is a guy that, that listens to the podcast. Bought us a bunch of T-shirts to give away. This is dedicated. This entire show is dedicated to his father, born in 1941, died last year in 2021. Uh, thank you, Bud Hammer. Now, Tony, now on to you. You mentioned opiates. How serious was opiates with the Lions, Den? Because... That's something you really can't play with. Opiates, opiates. Okay, the 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 guy in the lines then that was abusing opiates the most was me, because okay. I I got hooked up. Like I loved opiates, dude. So you know, but it started like uh, all of us, including Ken. They were we were shooting up Newbane. You know what Newbane is? Oh fuck. Uh, Bass Rutten, we got a Bass Rutten clip about that. He said yeah. it felt like his mind melted, or he melted. Like yeah, human that's machine. how we were, that's what we were doing. We were doing Nubane, we were also doing uh, Coke, Crystal. Um, I was doing uh, Oxys and sometimes heroin. Um, but but I like to mix it with cocaine, so it would be like a speedball. Speed it, was, it was never ending for me, dude. I could go on to this and blow your guys' mind. Because I did insane shit. Like, you know, one time I ended up getting pulled into secondary inspection at the border with the, the, the border patrol. But I was jonesing so bad, I ended up asking if I could go to the bathroom so I could shoot up. Because I had all my stuff with me. And it was the bathrooms had no doors in the stalls. And I ended up just shooting up. And this, this cop walks in. 
and I needed to think quick, so I start talking to him. Hey, man, you guys, you guys love to watch this tape shit. So as soon as I said that, he didn't even look at me. He was like, "What a weirdo!" But he he turned. I finished shooting up, and in my mind, I thought, "Holy shit, dude!" I was like this close. <laughs> I would have fucking gotten arrested. But I was, I did things, bro, that like now I look back and laugh. You know, why am I talking besides the statues should be best? Uh, because it's funny. We did just a lot of crazy shit that. All right. But you guys did it as a group. Uh, you know, a lot of partying as a group. No, not over- a lot of partners. The, 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 the stuff bringing it from the border, that was pretty much uh, universal because we go to the TJ pharmacies and get Sustanon or whatever Ken wanted. That was no big deal. All the heavy drugs that that we used, they were already in the states. The only thing that we were trafficking from Mexico is steroids. Okay, but all the other what? drugs, like the ecstasy, crystal, cocaine, that was all from the circle of uh, of contacts already in the states. What about you know? overdoses? I'm not going to give you names, but they were all people we knew from from the from the circle of the dojo. Okay, what about overdoses? Any overdoses within the Lions Den? Um, yeah, Ken had, uh, one overdose that I almost had to be part of because at the time I was already living with my girlfriend in the apartment and, uh, uh, we, we would party man so hard and mix drugs and do so much shit that, uh, you know, sometimes you took it too far and the motherfucker's not waking up. Well, one night at like one in the morning, this fucking, the phone rings and it's young boy, John. Right. And he's like, and when young boy John gets stressed out, he he stutters. <laughs> so I pick up the phone and he's like, I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, what the fuck? He's all, Ken OD. I don't know what to do. I, 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 he won't wake up. I'm like, why are you calling me? He said he, he OD'd to call you or Vernon first. And not to call, not to call the cops. And I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Call an ambulance." He's like, "No, no, no, man. He 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 he's still breathing." I'm like, "So what's the problem?" He goes, "Well, he threw up." And I turn him over, and he's kind of making noises. I'm like, "Dude, call Vernon. Call Vernon because <laughs> I fucking go there, dude. So either call Vernon or call an ambulance if it's that bad." But I, that's it. And I hung up the phone and it was 45 minutes later at like 2 a.m. that the phone rings again. I pick it up and it's Vernon. And Vernon's like, dude, you got to come over. And I'm like, why? He goes, Ken wants to see you, man. I'm all, what happened? He's okay now. He's okay, man. It was, he just, he just, he just had a bad turn, but he's okay now. I'm like, well, awesome. You guys have a good night. I fucked that. I wasn't going to go. But they were all partying. An hour later, an hour before, this fucking stuttering bastard's like, it's dying. Then an hour later, they're awake again and fucking party. So, yeah, it it happened uh, uh, another time in his house, I know. Uh, I wasn't there. But they had they 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 used to party hard man you know and and after the wwe so he used to have uh the other pro wrestlers come over and they fucking do drugs for days do you remember uh, the lifestyle 
do you remember the mongrel Rick Slayton? Yeah. He Rick was, was a good dude. He was an alliance then as well, right? He he was affiliated with us because he he was uh he was a biker. He was he was a uh he was a he was a connected dude. And he fought. He didn't fight for us. He didn't he didn't get in the team or anything. He was just real close to us. He was uh, he was he was he was associated with us. So so for those at home, Rick Slayton was the person in Ultimate Athlete where the big giant riot took place with the mongrels. Uh, I was there. We've, we've dressed it several times. Would you mind telling us what took place that night? There was there was a fight outside and someone had a gun. They ended up shooting and then all of a sudden a fucking the riot broke out. I had a booth and I was selling t-shirts. So my main concern was my inventory. So I I was literally with my girlfriend and two mongols. So I, I can't talk shit. I, I thought that was pretty cool. While the commotion was going all around, we were we were uh tending to my to my inventory, which it's it was a funny story to me. Uh, I guess a couple of people got arrested. I don't really remember exactly what the outcome was, but I was there that night. The event didn't finish. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty wild. What about Jerry Bolander? What about Jerry? Jerry Jerry wasn't there when when I was there. He would just come down and train with us periodically. I will I will tell you this. Jerry is a great dude. Um my my funniest memory of Jerry is when him and and Pete came back from the Abu Dhabi. Jerry had the worst case of uh, dysentery, and he was he spent like two days in my my friend and mine's apartment, just shitting his brains out and, and moaning. And I felt awful for the dude because it just sounded it sounded terrible. And yeah, I, I don't really want to get into the things that we did with Jerry before no. Jerry was a cop because he's a cop now, but Jerry's a good dude. And we had a lot of fun, man. We, I have good memories with Jerry, but they were not gym related. These were all memories of us having fungus fun outside of the, uh, the realm of training. What about Steve Bruno? Steve Bruno was one of those young boys that made the team fighting another young boy. That was there a couple of weeks before the uh, uh, War Machine tryouts. Steve Bruno was uh, Bob's second favorite. The first was, I said, Ben Thompson, then, then Steve Bruno. These were all the, the, the Bob's, Bob's favorites. Bob would do things with those guys that he didn't do with the other guys that were pretty obvious. Like he would bring back gifts for them, sweatshirts or when Bob would go with Ken to the UFC, they'd get free merchandise. Bob would pick out, oh, Ben's going to love this one. And, oh, this one's going to fit Bruno. And they would get shit, but no one else would, you know. And it's, like, pretty obvious shit. Through Steve Bruno, me and him had a falling out because he was under me. He was a young boy. So all these guys were under us, under me, because I've been there a while. And I remember uh, – I don't remember exactly what our altercation was about, but I ended up uh, – uh, punching him in the stomach and <laughs> it, it dropped him. He was, he was still very unexperienced. And after that, 
he he had it in for me. I I was I would I would pick on him, but he ended up uh uh I I hazed him with 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 something. I I can't I can't recall exactly how it went, but I ended up hazing him. And so he goes and he tells Bob that I did this and this to Bob to him. And then Bob comes and yells at me in front of everyone at the dojo, like defending Bruno. So I was like, oh, I, I can play this too. Cause I knew Bob was out of out of order. So I immediately told Ken, hey man, this is what happened. And Ken now embarrasses Bob in front of everyone at the dojo and tells Bob that the fighter shit that happens with his fighters has nothing to do with him. So then Bob says to him, oh yeah? So it's either that Mexican or me. Oh, I was like, ooh, the Mexican. And Bob Ken goes, bye. So that was the first time Bob left. Yeah, Bob left because he gave Ken an ultimatum between me or him. But it wasn't like, because Ken was like, dude, I was I was still valuable as a fighter and teacher in the school and bitch boy, <laughs> you know? Because mm -hmm. I think I have the chronology of uh, of young boy John wrong. I think he came way after because the whole thing with the fighter house and these other young boys was like a longer period. I was with him for about six or seven months. We ran a fighter house. Ken rented a, a place in Chula Vista with a lot of rooms and it was Bob when, when the fighter house actually started, it was Bob and Bob's father, Chuck, who was near his deathbed. And Bob brought him down there while he did Ken, while he managed for Ken, it was obvious Chuck was going to die. So he kept him there at the fighter house and fed him until, until he passed. And then the young boys that were coming in there, Bob would, would take care of them. And uh, I was me and Vernon at the time that ran it. Then Vernon ended up getting a girlfriend and moved out with her. And then Pete showed up. So house was so Pete Williams. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Pete I, I, came I, back. I, you know, obviously, you know, Ken was with the WWE. He's got a lot of lifestyle, you know, uh, little habits and things like that. You mentioned the Sam Atkins fight. Uh, Sam Atkins, interestingly, lived in central Pennsylvania and used to bartend at the bar I used to drink at. So, yeah, you've seen that from Sam Atkins, right? Not quite, not quite the same level as Ken, but I, I, I know Sam. Shout out to Sam. But um, at some point, Zufa buys the UFC. By UFC 40, Tito and Ken was a fully built fight and was one of Zufa's first big pushes. Did Ken take that seriously, or was he still partying on the side, burning the candle at both ends? How was it? How was that experience? Because that had oh, a feel like. Go ahead. He took it seriously. He was training crazy, and doing a lot of drugs, all of it, because that's what we did. So even even when we trained, we were doing drugs. I mean, shit. My fight with Tony Lopez. I was fucking high as fuck on crystal meth. So, I mean, there was a lot of shit you guys don't know. But, yeah, I, I mean, we did a ton of drugs, man. We did stuff that, you know, and I'm not saying that, you know, this is great. Go do this, kids. It's just what we did. That's, that's who we were at the time, you know. And that's why I said 
this is I'm just speaking for me and the shit we did in California. All right. All right. So the here. other guys in Texas were we're not oh not of the same caliber as we as far as the naughtiness. Okay, here, let, let's let, let's talk about some of the cross country action that you were involved in. Um, you were partners with Reto Heto Mexico, the MMA organization on the other side. Uh, you on in right outside Tijuana, I believe. And you're you're partners with Tony Noriega and Marco Perez. Am I am I off on any of that? Okay, partners is making it sound like we had business dealings together. No, what what we did is they were the perfect <laughs> venue when, and this is after the Lions. But now you're getting into the bullpen era because right. the Tijuana fights were a way for me to introduce my guys and give them the experience of fighting. And Mexico was way better than America because we could do shit there that you couldn't do in the States, like rip knees out of the joint, break arms, you know, I mean, just shit that you couldn't do here. But the cost of doing business in Mexico, there's several mixed martial arts promoters that have done business in Mexico and have not, you know, I mean, they're probably in several different places at the same time. Was there any issues with the cartel? No, none, never, really? never. At least nothing, nothing with me. And during the the time that I was bringing fighters down there and and doing shit, that I was really, really, really heavily addicted to opiates and coke. I was on I was on my worst decline because I was literally shooting up drugs twenty four fucking seven. But this was that era in Tijuana, and the guys that were coming in to, to bring me drugs weren't from the cartel. They were just Tijuana dealers. But as far as the actual cartel having their hands in the fights and shit, no. It was, it was, they weren't that lucrative, man. I mean, think about it. If it, they, were, they were even televised, maybe locally, the guys were getting paid less than a thousand bucks. Uh, you know, I think if the car, if I was the cartel, I'd be more interested in the liquor sales in those motherfucking places than I would in the event okay. itself because it's it was nothing. So no, but personally, no, nothing with the cartel. And I would have known because I was doing a ton of drugs. I would have been the perfect guy to to be friends with for that kind of shit. Okay, but what about Eric Del Fiero? He he was an alliance done as well. Yeah, he was. Eric Eric is uh, uh, overaccomplished. He a firefighter uh, in in the military. He got out, became a firefighter there in San Diego, and he started coming in. He was one of those guys that I'm talking about that Ken would have me call to come train when he'd be in town because he was one of those guys that would show up. He had really good work ethic. He was great with the gloves. He learned a lot of stuff with us while we were there and yeah i got nothing but say i mean look what he's done now he's got his own guys and he's done he's done pretty well for himself yeah he's a uh, alliance gym owner in san diego he's got several right. people in the ufc he's, he's done very well for sure he, he he was one guy i gotta give a shout out to because when i was at my drug use worse he tried to get me jobs announcing at the uh, events you know, and and I would like fail horribly because I was an addict. But yeah, he, he's I can't I can't give him enough credit because he was a, a good dude even then. Try to help me. 
What about Roy Nelson? Roy, you're talking about uh, that. Big that country. dude came after I left. That's one of the okay. guys that uh, Ken Ken uh, uh, got involved with after he found Jesus. Okay. Okay. What about Wade Ship? Wade, that's one of my bros. Wade's like a brother, man. Wade, uh, Wade came. He was. Uh, let me let me tell you this about Wade. Wade probably is a more qualified Lions Den fighter than a lot of the Lions Den fighters. And Wade, Wade had, he trained with us. He got his ass kicked with us constant. I mean, he was, he was a dude that at the beginning was an alcoholic himself. He came to the Lions Den, not to try out as a fighter, just to trade. He loved it so much that he used that as a vehicle to quit drinking and then the dude in the years that I was there went from just a regular dude to one of the fucking baddest kickboxers that we had. He was uh, very dedicated. Uh, his wife, uh, Aaron, is another one that uh, I absolutely think is fantastic. Wade and his, and his uh, family is great. They're like me. I don't have kids. They didn't want to have kids. So we have a lot in common. But Wade is, Wade is a, a good dude, man. He's, he's, a, he's a freak. Who else do you want me to ask, ask me about? Joe Hurley. Joe Hurley's awesome, dude. Joe Hurley is a a warrior in the truest warrior sense of the word. I didn't, unfortunately, get a lot of time to train with him because he was mostly in Northern California. But, uh, yeah, towards the end, I wasn't there. So I can't uh, comment on this, but the rumor was that Joe had come out to train with Ken for, uh, I believe it was the PFL or some some team fight. IFL. Shit. And, yeah, and IFL. And a couple weeks before the event, he ended up uh, trading uh, Joe Hurley's spot to Chris Brennan. And Joe Hurley was like uh, crushed and he ended up uh, leaving all upset. I'm, I, just heard rumors of this i can't. chris do you know the last name for chris chris brennan he's a chris, friend of oh. mine I actually i actually grew up with chris brennan because me and him were teenagers when i was getting into the bodybuilding he we both started out with bodybuilding and oh, then right. he ended up going to la to start training with the gracies and he was literally living and cleaning the dojo like you know chris chris literally started with with from the bottom up Chris Brennan is a, a another dude that I've known for a long time, and he's a good dude. You know what? He's a, he's actually in town in Chicago right now. I'm trying to hook up with him. Uh, Brennan, yeah, if you talk to him, tell him I said what's up, and ask him to tell you about his dojo in fucking uh, Lake Forest in the time when he had Quentin Rampage there, because he could tell you some crazy shit. They fucking yeah. busted the pipes in that place. They they flooded it. They had the cops come. They the same drama that we did. It's just Chris Brennan ish style. So <laughs> it was the era, um, man. Yeah, he's he's a phenomenal human being. Were you at the dojo when Mark Coleman came in and he and Ken fought? No, no. I, you guys, someone had asked me that, and I wasn't there at that time. Uh, Mark, my 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 personal experience with Mark because. Uh, we became friends and he actually became really good friends with my girl, my ex-girlfriend, because 
she became she started working for Pride and traveled with them. So I, I uh, uh, got to know Mark a little bit, but my only uh, experience with him was at, at a UFC where Kevin Randleman was fighting. Uh, we were I was with Jerry and we were we were in the lobby and someone comes up to him and he goes, hey, can you please help us? Because Mark Coleman is at the restaurant bar and he's he grabbed uh, he sexually harassed one of the waitresses and they don't want to call the cops. So can you guys please get him out of there, man? If if you've ever seen Mark Coleman drunk, he is he's like a fucking wild animal where you, you literally have to be on a constant like, you know, hey, bro, you good? Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Because if you say something that may fucking sound like it's it's threatening or wrong, that dude will drop you. And he's and he was at his he was massive at the time, so that that little thing we couldn't get him out of there because he was he was trying to like I I, I forget the, the words he used but but uh, it was it was it was a little bit uh, scary and how they ended up getting that motherfucker out of there was they woke up Kevin Randleman who was fighting the next day and who came down to the lobby very pissed off and he literally took Mark out like like a mom like my mom did to me as a teenager. So <laughs> he he walked up and he grabbed him and he started yelling at him, you know, what kind of fucking example are you setting? I have to fight tomorrow. And Mark left with his fucking head down and I was like, holy shit. But that was that was my my experience with uh with Mark at uh yeah, it's the only the guy show. mark would listen to he's the only yeah, guy mark would listen to right. i wasn't gonna fucking try shit with that dude no yeah, so. i was, I was dr drinking one time with mark in brazil and i made the mistake he was he was in his his mode and and plus he's two years he's getting coming close to two years sober now so god bless mark but he's he's in his mode and stuff and i made the mistake i go you know you're in great you look in great shape and you know, in the lobby of the hotel, he takes his shirt off. He's like, I'm always leaning, you know, and he creates muscles. <laughs> <laughs> all the time. You, yeah, you but going back to your question, man. No, I, I didn't get to see them uh, uh, wrestle or train together. Okay. What about Cedric Marks? Did you, you used to manage him? Am I correct? Fuck, Cedric, Cedric, yeah. Uh, you know what happened at the end with Cedric? Go ahead. Um, he he, he came so that we could get him some fights in TJ. And yeah, Cedric was a funny dude, man. He was a comedian. I mean, literally, I I I, I can't even picture him fucking killing anybody just because he was so funny. But you know, what can so I Cedric say? With me, with me, he was a great dude. So Cedric. Um, former military guy ended up killing his ex and the person she was dating. The woman that Cedric was dating drove him there, entered the house with him, ended up testifying against him. Yeah. And while he was in prison, they said, you know, he he had a dispute with his ex-wife over his child, over custody, and she, no one's talked to her in about a, you know, about 10 years. So they actually think there's two or three other bodies in regards to Cedric and that he, wow. uh, yeah, he was a serial killer. Wow. Yeah. I mean, 
<laughs> Did you ever suspect it? No, I, 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 nothing. Like I said, when your radar is pretty high, like you huh? can pick up on that shit. Of what? You could pick up on people that are kind of prone to criminal activity. Like your your radar is pretty high. Like it goes yeah, off. Yeah, but but Cedric is a comedian. Have you ever been around Cedric? His profile name was Dick Gazinia. Uh, all, what Cedric did, even on Facebook, he was he was a fucking troll, man. All that dude just did shit that was comedy. As far as me picking up that he had psychotic tendencies, no, I would have told you, I would I I I would have thought that of Young Boy John way before of Cedric. Cedric, I still can't believe it. So, you know, young boy John, dude, the first fucking day I met that dude, he tells me one day his dream of killing his mother to get revenge on her on her killing his dad will be the greatest day of his fucking life. And I'm thinking, who the fuck, who the fuck says that, first of all? And what? He blames, he blames his mother for his father's death. How did his father die? You're talking about War Machine. So how does War Machine's father die? I, I don't know this. I I I don't know. But I believe I it thought was he was suicide. a police officer. Yeah, he was a cop. I believe it's suicide, man. Okay, but he blamed her. He said she killed him. So his he he morbidly hates her, and anytime <laughs> anytime the subject of mothers came uh, around, he would wish his to be uh to die by his hands so he could watch her fucking soul leave her body and he 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 would be like telling you in detail shit that he want to do to her and i thought that is the kind of shit only a fucking psycho tells people he's never met before you know or someone that's just really stupid and needs a lot of attention because it's just or both obviously you can see now what what happened with him you know, he, he fucking finds this is how smart he is. He ends up finding love with a porn star and then gets pissed off when he comes home and she's practicing a scene. I mean, she's a fucking porn star, you stupid fuck. What did you expect her to do? She's not going to be running lines. She's going to be practicing the scene. So he comes home and he loses it and he beats the fuck out of uh, both of them. So he's he's a fucking idiot, bro. Did you know he was going to go back to jail? Because I think you, Bob yes. said he, I said that from the fucking first week that I met him there. I said that dude belongs in jail. He's 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 just he's he's on a hiatus from the cages, but now he's back home where he belongs. You know what I mean? And that's just my personal opinion. A lot of my teammates, like Wade, Wade Wade became great friends with him. You know, Wade asked me, like, uh, uh, I think it was a couple years ago, we were online, and, and they had a post about War Machine, and I fucking, I reposted it, and I was putting on, you know, the War Machine right now is, you know, in cell block so-and-so, doing his best to try and make a sound when he farts. <laughs> and Wade's like, why do you hate him so much? I'm all, amongst many things, is that dude stole my fucking penis pump. Who the fuck steals another guy's penis pump, I ask? <laughs> so, you know, yeah, and I right. asked him. 
I'm like, let me make you a mortal enemy. Fucking penis pump, you fucker. And he's like, oh, do, 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 I, I, I was going to wash it. You don't, who, who does that? He's a fucking thief, too. And, and a bad liar, you know? And yeah. So Wade was like, oh, shit, he took your penis pump? In, in his mind, he's probably thinking, you know, oh, fuck. Why do you have a penis pump, bro? I'm like, well, why does anybody have a penis pump? But yeah. uh, that's not the point. The point is it was stolen by the war machine. <laughs> What is yeah, a friend uh, of mine used to work at a, a penal penal uh, enlargement for a surgeon, and uh, he had gifted me this fucking really badass glass uh, pump. So yeah, but you know, back to the point: How does one go to someone's room in the fighter house and borrow a said penis pump when it's not yours? That's yeah. yeah that's... But you, you, when you opened up the bullpen, you had a 15-year-old that started with you named Zach Taylor. Yeah. So Zach goes 9-1, and one, and he's on the precipice of the UFC, and he stops fighting. Can yeah. you tell us about Zach? Zach, I think, uh, I think in a lot of ways, I was, I was a big part of Zach's mojo. I got, I got a hold of Zach at 15. And I could tell not only that he was talented, but he had the one exceptional thing that a lot of fighters don't have is he believed everything I told him so much so that he became that person in his own mind. And why I'm telling you this is I taught him leg locks, heel hooks and certain leg locks that he was so good at that on his first fight and i used to have it on tape if you ever get a chance to find it from the mexico where he rips that dude's knee out of the joint with a heel hook that was his first fight i told him to do that and this is the reason why when when that fight was coming this the, the when that fight was was going to happen it was going to be exactly 6 months from when he started training with me and he'd never trained in fighting before getting close to that fight he tells me that uh, the instructor from the MMA school in his hometown is going to be fighting there. And I arranged for him to fight him. I told him he could beat him easy. If he listened to me and he did exactly what I tell him, he not only would beat the guy immediately, but he'd probably end his career at the same time. And he did. And he believed in me. And that's what you need in a fighter. A lot of the fighting is, is not actually talent when you're in the ring. It's the belief in your fucking head that this guy ain't fucking shit. I'm just as good or better. And then you have that willpower to fucking make it happen. Well, I took this kid and I got him to that fucking show and I told him, I go, that dude right there, he doesn't know shit about defending a fucking heel hook. He's not going to be able to do nothing. And after you take... His knee, you're going to take his soul like the Highlander. And you're going to end up getting all his knowledge and power. And you're going to fucking own that shit. You might as well just go to his gym and take his students after that. I was just fucking getting in his head. So as the fight started, I told him, I want you to shoot in. As soon as you go down, I want you to go take him on, on uh, double knees, pinch his fucking thigh, go fall back, and heel hook. But don't let him tap. Take your elbows, and I want you to do a rotation 
until your shoulder hits the ground on the other side. And when you hear the pop, that's when it's over. And not only did he do it like clockwork, but everyone heard. And as soon as he popped the dude's knee out of the joint, the dude went, his whole body went limp. Like somewhere fucking turn him off. And I was the happiest man because I created in his mind, he knew then that he could do and beat anyone. So from then, that belief, it's kind of like the Connor thing. If Connor didn't believe in himself, he wouldn't be winning. Well, that's what happened after he lost to uh to Khabib. Same shit. You're, it's 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 you want it there, but it's not gonna be there. Well, Zach, he had that. He had that mojo because I was always there feeding into it. I would tell him what he needed to do, and he would do it like a machine. But towards the end of uh, the bullpen era, I, I'm the one that basically, I think, let everything down because my drug use took over everything, man. I mean, oh. yeah, I uh, uh, and, and I, I lost all my students in the school. I, I, I mean, what can I say? I'm honest. I tell you guys, I don't have no, anything you to hide down. because it's, it. it's, I'm not ashamed of anything. I'm, I'm happy now. But yeah, I think it was uh, a lot of that that became uh, my fault because towards the end, uh, my, my drug use was unmanageable. I mean, my students, you know, they were they, uh, uh, the last year, they were just there supporting me, but I wasn't mentally there anymore because I was dead, dead inside. Uh, Zach, uh, once, once I left to rehab and the, the journey to getting my head back, uh, I don't think he had anyone to, to fill that spot. If you don't have someone that's the, your super Saiyan, that's going to fucking fire you up to where you're like, red, like a coach, man, you've seen coaches fucking tell people shit that. You don't know what the fuck you told him, but he fucking killed everybody. That's that's what I could do with this kid. You know, it's it's the power of belief. I could I could teach someone. You you know about that Samoan kid from the uh, King of the Cage, who uh, no one wanted to train to fight. I'm trying to forget the name of it, man. I I basically got him to beat uh, a guy from Hawaii that had ranked. Eric Pele, huh? Eric Pele. Not Eric Paley. No, this was a, a giant Samoan kid that uh, someone asked me if I'd corner for him. And I took him. I said, yeah, sure. And I took this kid uh, backstage and I told him, this is what this guy's going to do. And I only practiced one move for a guillotine. And he did it and he beat the fucking guy. So then Terry was like the happiest dude. And I almost got the dude to come train with me, but. Uh, he ended up going with, I think, Ted Williams because that was Terry's diddly there. Okay. How, what was your opinion of Ted Williams? I'm glad you brought him up. I, 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 I don't have much opinion on Ted, man. He never uh, – I only fought once, which was my the fight I ripped my, my – uh, uh, what the fuck did I rip on there? It was my knee. I, I tore my uh, ACL in. was Ted's event, the Gladiator Challenge. And was he against he was, Sleeman. Yeah. And he was the nicest dude, man. That was that was the day I uh I felt like how cold fucking Ken can be. Because as soon as my knee got torn and I couldn't walk out of the fucking cage, 
Dan Freeman came to grab me. And Ken's all, no, don't, don't help him, man. Let him walk on his own. That shit's embarrassing. And I thought, well, you fucking cocksucker. I can't even move. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of fucked up because I couldn't even get out. You know? Hey, not anyone, not everyone's a freak like Ken that can fucking walk with two torn ACLs and a fused neck and fight with that shit. That is beyond me, dude. Yeah, he fights with torn ACLs. You know, have you uh, run you into heard of a, a fighter check? named Virgil Lozano? No. Uh-uh. Virgil was a dude from Tijuana. They call him the professor. He is a gifted uh, submissions guy. That kid, that kid uh, probably would have been one of one of Ken's good fighters if Ken wouldn't have fucked him up. Uh, Virgil ended up catching Ken on a knee bar and popped his knee in training because Ken's real, his ego is huge. You want to fucking tap to this. And as soon as Virgil caught him in it, Ken like fucking hit him hard like he got him. So he let him go. And Ken fucking got up. You could, we all could tell that Virgil hurt him that day. Ken got up. The look on his face was like a total panic. Like he knew some, he did something to him and he grabbed his shit and he just limped out of the gym and left. And this is the one thing I, I, to this day, hold a grudge against him for is this. The very next day, he shows up. Virgil was one of the f- kids from the fighter house that was that made the team. The very next day during fighter training, he shows up, wrapped up to shit, and he says, I want Virgil in the cage. Dude, he fucking ripped Virgil's knee out, and Virgil was done for life after that. He was never the same. He didn't have insurance, so it's not like he could get, you know, the proper surgery in Tijuana. Uh, he basically, out of out of his own ego and anger, fucked this kid's career because the kid fucked him up the day before. But the kid fucked him up doing what he tells him to do. You know, this is some of the shit that I... Well, sometimes I you got to tap. You. It is what? what it is. What? I mean, it's just practice. Right? Yeah, you're going to get tapped. Ken, Ken's ego is huge when it comes to training, you know, and, and uh, you, you know, he, he's, he's been this, that's his life, man. You know, and he's, he, from when he got me and I, he beat the fuck out of me at the very beginning at that dojo to, you know, when he did that to Virgil, that's two completely different situations. For me, I was making the team. He just came back the next day to get revenge and fucked him up. That's that's fucked up. You know, yeah, it's you like know unspoken. It's probably... unspoken because I'm the only one that that got upset at it. Not even Virgil. He doesn't even say shit. He's all, oh, it's okay. It's part of training. But I didn't see it that way. You know, that's one of those things that that bothered me. And it was this is this is during my time after I left. I know that they went ahead and did more tryouts and his kids became part of the team and they, they grew up and did their shit. So I, I'm not sure how he, how he runs it. I can only tell you how he ran it when I was there. And at the beginning, it was an amazing experience. And as the, the more of the, we did drugs and stupid shit, it started finding man, like everything else. You can only, you can only live and party at that level of fucking craziness for so long. 
you know, your body, every, everything has a limit, you know, and, and even though I didn't touch on it, I want to, I want to tell you guys that as far as like the lion's den talent went personally, as far as the talent, the, the most talented guy in, in my era while I was there, I think was Vernon Vernon. If Vernon could have had the, the magic that I put in Zach's head, if Ken could have done that with Vernon, Vernon would be John Jones. But the problem with Vernon is Vernon didn't never took his, his uh, he, he never took his potential to where he could. You want to talk about someone that had genetics up the ass? Vernon fought, uh, what's that Russian's name in, in the eyes? In the one he fought twice, man. Was it Igor? Yeah. No. Uh, hold on. He fought a Russian guy. But. Yeah. Matsushenko? Matsushenko. The first fight with Matsushenko, he had fucking done ecstasy and, and shit the day before. So, I mean, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, imagine if if you could have you could have had these guys training like like uh like Khabib trains with that kind of dedication. It could have even been greater. But the fact that we trained like like literally maniacs, man, because, you know, you're you're like I said, you're training to not tap out. you got to learn how to escape, because if you don't, you're going to get hurt and it's going to hurt until you learn how to get out. That has merits, because obviously you'll end up if you if you if you pass, you're going to be a fucking freak because you lasted that shit. But. You're gonna also end up hurt like a motherfucker, you know, because your your body it, it doesn't heal as good, and you end up like me now. I can't punch anymore. My fucking hand. I've had five surgeries. It's all fucked up. I couldn't punch with this. That fucking hurt me more than anyone else. My knee. I have a fake knee because I've had ten surgeries. I have like my body's like fucked up. It's I, I should be having fun with my life right now. I'm in my fifties. But my my hand is like in its nineties and shit. So, <laughs> what what about the Lions Den tryout tapes? Uh, somebody stole them from Ken, and I know a couple Nobody of them steals won. them from him. He probably lost them himself. Look, Ken, the last time that he split up with his last girlfriend, this is how he had us move his shit. He's all, hey, I need you guys to go and load load my what's in my bedroom and bring it to this new apartment and everything else. You guys can give away or do what you want with it. What? He was leaving like his his pancreas fucking trophies and shit. He, he, he didn't give a fuck. He was like, you know, sell it, get rid of it, throw it away. I don't care. So it's it's not that people stole shit from him. A lot of stuff Ken just doesn't care, man. I mean, seriously. You know, it's like, I don't know how now I'm only talking about the time again that I was there because a lot of people may hear this and be like, that's not the guy I know. The guy I know loves Jesus. It's like, yeah, now he loves Jesus, but Jesus wasn't around when I was there. It was like, you know, it was just the devil. <laughs> yeah, so, it's, uh, you know, for those of you guys keeping score at home, there's three Lion's Den tryout tapes on YouTube. All three of them have Ken Shamrock understanding that he's having a lawyer contact them to sue them uh, for for putting it up on YouTube. It's fantastic. 
I used to have tapes, but I lost mine. Wade has some. Wade still has some tapes from the tryouts. So, and they wow. were they were pretty uh they were they were pretty bad. Yeah, I uh I probably I'm I'm glad I lost mine in a house fire because a lot of those were yeah probably uh, uh evidence, evidence of of, yeah. of of criminal activity, man. You know, Here. it's like holy shit. Yeah, beating the fuck out of people until they were like unconscious, and then waking them up, beating them up again, and you know they a lot of them just. We had a lot of guys run away in the middle of the night too. That made uh, that that did the tryouts because we had one dude from Canada, from paid Ken fifteen grand to train him to fight Gan McGee. I forget his name. So he comes, he pays Ken. I was with Pete at the time. So the dude's all excited, fat Canadian dude. The very first day he gets there, it's grappling. And we fucking drowned him, dude. We took him down and we choked him, we beat the fuck out of him till he was like unmovable. So we leave, we take him back to the fighter house. And he knew the next day we were going to be doing kickboxing and that's his thing. So he was like, oh, tomorrow I'll get even. Tomorrow came. And he got his ass kicked even worse. So as soon as the fucking day of the training was done and we went back home, we're making dinner and getting everything done. And the dude went to his room and went to sleep at six in the morning. He wakes me up. He's like, his bags ready and everything. And he says, can you please give me a ride to the airport? He's all, and uh, you, you don't need to tell Ken. You can just, Tell him I, I said to keep all the money and it's 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 no problem. I'm like, okay. I called Ken. Ken's oh yeah, take him back. I dropped his ass off at the airport, never, never to be seen again. But he wasn't the only one. We had another guy, and that's who I thought uh uh that the name Ash was, but I was completely wrong. We had one guy who came to try out Wait, you're talking about a Ash giant Goldman? lion's den tattoo on his chest. Yeah. So Ken told the dude if he didn't make the tryouts, he was we were going to grab him and we were going to scrape his chest on the pavement until that fucking tattoo disappeared. And the dude <laughs> disappeared. <laughs> wait, wait. Are you talking about Ash Bowman? No, I thought the guy's name was Ash. So when you said that okay. name, I thought... Hey, that dude had a tattoo. That's why whoever it was of you that asked me, I needed to see a picture of him just to see if it was that dude. But it wasn't him. It was another, another guy named Ash. But he had a tattoo of the lion's den. And he, he he ran away when Ken told him if he didn't make it, we were going to fucking script, use the payment till we got that shit off like sandpaper. And that <laughs> kind of terrified him because we thought, what a fucking, what a jackass to have the tattoo already as he fucking made the team. So we, we had a lot of uh, uh, people that came, but as many as, as many as they came, only, only a, like the Navy SEALs, dude, only a very small percentage stayed because <clears throat> the only, the only guys that were mentally made for that were criminals and military dudes, literally. And, and people with, with, uh, with, with, unstable minds who else is gonna put up with that kind of shit did you fight ken in an alley behind a bar <laughs> no it wasn't a fight 
it's and it wasn't behind the alley. That was Vernon getting his ass handed to him. Look, I'll tell you about that particular incident because that's that was when I completely disassociated from from being from being one of Ken's loyal uh, soldiers, if you want to say that. What happened was, and and this is one of those things I'll tell you guys, and then we'll figure out how we can uh, uh, go about posting it or not. Because during this time, like I was saying earlier, Ken's wife needed attention. And she was <laughs> looking for attention everywhere she could. So she ended up finding attention with one of the students at the dojo from the we train but we didn't know this it was that was such a such a sneaky deal that who found out about it was ken ken ends up coming home early and he walks in the house and he hears his ex-wife laughing <laughs> with some someone on the phone and he picks up the phone and he hears this guy who's a student so ken goes who the fuck is there and the guy's like <laughs> It's so-and-so. Ken goes, oh, so you've been fucking my wife. And the dude's like, it's not only me. He says, hey, Ken, so what do you mean? He goes, a lot of people knew. And Ken goes, who knew? Did Tony and and Vernon know? And the guy goes, yeah. So immediately, this wasn't true, though. So immediately, at at that time, by the way, I was working at that bar and Vernon was also, we had both left work because this is on a, a middle of the night on a Saturday. I I'd just come home and I'm getting all my work clothes off and my phone rings. And this is comical now because it's now, but back then it wasn't. I pick up the phone and in Ken's voice with this fucking like, it sounded like, he's up, get to Buffalo Joe's. You have 15 minutes. I go, it's fucking three. Are you joking? He goes, does it sound like I'm fucking joking? I was like, okay. I hung up the phone and the phone rings again. I picked up the phone and it's Vernon. He goes, hey, did Ken just call you? I go, yeah. What did he say to you? I go, he said, I have 15 minutes to make it to Buffalo Joe's. He goes, did he ask you to bring your wrestling shoes? I go, no. He goes, oh, fuck. So he goes, wait for me. I go, fuck that. I want to get there first, motherfucker. So I hung up the phone and I fucking raced down to Buffalo Joe's, dude. Because I knew whatever it was, <laughs> I'd rather be the first than the last. So what happens? I don't know what the fuck's going on. I get to Buffalo Joe's and this this is the fucking scene, dude. I walk up to the door and the bouncers, the bouncers go, are you, are you Tony or Vernon? I'm all, I'm Tony. He's waiting for you inside at the bar. I'm like, holy shit. They're going to fucking... It felt like I was there for my execution and they were facilitating the fucking whole thing. So I walk in and Ken is at the bar like like a, leaning on, on, on the bar like and nursing a beer like a panther. Like, ah, oh, fuck. I, I walk up. I'm all, hey, Ken. And he doesn't hear. I go, Ken? And he... Yeah, he turns around and he goes, why didn't you tell me? I go, tell you what? He goes, that so-and-so is fucking my wife. And he jumps on me and he mounts me 
in the bar inside Buffalo Joe's. And he starts fucking beating the shit out of me like the tryouts. But by this time, I was well into the fucking training, so I knew how to move around. Not get pounded that bad. So he's hitting the shit out of me, and I'm trying to, like, block as easy as possible so I wouldn't upset the guy. And, uh, yeah, he starts telling me that he walks in on his uh, wife, and she's on the phone with this dude who says he's been fucking her, and we knew about it. I'm like, dude, how the fuck would we know about it? You know, this is bullshit. So he didn't believe me. So he's he's still beating me, and the bouncer walks up and goes, because the – the people at the bar started to leave. So then the fucking bouncer walks up. He goes, Ken, uh, would you guys mind going out back at the at the alley so that the customers won't be upset? I'm like, you fucking idiot. You're supposed to be stopping this shit. So <laughs> literally, dude, he, Ken goes, yeah, yeah, oh, that's fine. So he picks me up and he's walking me to the back to continue beating the fuck out of me. And as we <laughs> exit... I see Vernon, and I, I, you know, just to save my own ass, I'm over So as soon as I said that, Ken's entire anger shifted from me to Vernon. And he ended up kneeing Vernon so hard that he ended up having problems for life, man. He, he kneed him on the side of the side, and it sounded like someone broke a two-by-four. He ended up with a hematoma. He couldn't walk. He he fucking he beat the shit out of Vernon worse than me, and over something that Vernon didn't know either. Not, like literally, I'll tell you now. If I knew, I'd have fucking it would have been at least more worth it. But yeah, literally, he's beating the fuck out of Vernon outside in the alley. There's people that are calling the cops, and I'm there, like you know, not refing, just like ooh ah ooh ooh. And here comes the police. And the, the police are like, uh, as soon as the cops are coming, I'm like, the cops are coming. So they stop, they get up, and here's Vernon and me, and we're bloody. Like, obviously, like someone just beat the fuck out of us, right? And there's Ken with blood in his hands. And the cops go, were you just beating these guys up? Did, did, he, did he punch you guys? And we're like, no. So... He didn't just fucking, so he's got blood on his hands from what? I'm like, I don't know. And the, and the blood in your face is not from him? I go, no, I actually just fell. Oh, and he looks at Vern and he goes, did you fall too? Yeah, we both <laughs> did. <laughs> and they're like, well, and Ken goes, "You what the fuck are you guys doing? You know, did you know my wife? He like starts telling the cops that he's pissed because his wife cheated on him. And the and and he yells at him, and the cops like back up and grab their weapon, and oh shit! And I'm all, listen, he's drunk. Let us get him out of here. Get him, get him out of here. And the cops are like, leave now, or you know, we're gonna fucking arrest all of you. So we ended up convincing Ken that it was cool. I swore to him we didn't know. You know, we took a bad beating, man. Like he beat the fuck out of us, and we didn't <laughs> fight back. We just like like his bitches, you know. He like pimp slapped us like you fucking bitch. Never, never short five dollars fucking whore. We're like, God damn. So after that beating, I thought, what am I doing with this fucking asshole? You know, he 
He just beat the fuck out of me in public. He didn't even apologize. He's like, you know, oh, okay, all right, maybe you're telling the truth. Oh, really? No, no wait, no, Tony. So the okay, first and foremost, in Ken's book, he talks about all of this in detail. Uh-huh. Like this is not something I haven't that read the book. So right. So this is this story in particular. I think he's not told this way, but it is in Ken's book. How is he told? How does he tell it? Wait, wait. So the fighter that said that you guys knew. He wasn't a fighter, first of all. He was a student. He didn't fight. He was a car salesman. Well, here's the thing. That guy got you guys in this position. Correct. I have to assume you returned that favor. No, no. Oh, my God. Nope. We couldn't. What do you mean? He called the police. This became bigger than you know because the guy thought he was going to get killed. He just got caught banging the world's most dangerous fucking man. And on top of that, he had the world's most fucking dangerous man beat the fuck out of his most dangerous fighters. Over this. He's going to call everybody. And say that he's about to get murdered. It's, you know, yeah, we, so, we got fucked. I actually, I, I don't blame him, bro. I blame Ken. Because he, how how stupid are you? You know, ask me. I've never fucking lied to you, you motherfucker. Why, why are you taking this scared chicken shit's word over us? You know, especially Vernon, who's been there since, like, the beginning. You know, I... I mean, I I don't understand the loyalty that Vernon had for the guy because even Pete and I, like I told Pete, I go, he's still with him, dude. Pete goes, bro, if, if as long as Ken has a pulse, Vernon will be there. That was the fucking joke. It's like, holy shit. So, yeah, man. How was your relationship with Vernon? Vernon's great, dude. I, I had an up and down relationship with him, but Vernon, I was his underling. He was, uh, I, uh, I was like his young boy in a way, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't an asshole to me. He was a good, good mentor, but there was a couple times where he beat the fuck out of me. And one was over Ken because I don't know what the fuck I did that Ken thought was disrespectful. So Ken tells Vernon, he goes, I want you to beat the fucking shit out of him until I get tired. So, fuck, you know, I'm like, until he gets tired, he's not even in the ring, bro. So Vernon grabs me. This is no bullshit. Vernon comes up and he grabs me. He leans over and he goes, look, I want you to pretend I'm going to try and not hit you in places that would do permanent damage. But, uh, you know, make sure you're moving a lot because I want to I want to at least not make it look bad. I was like, what? So he beat the fuck out of me, bro. And he choked me and he 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 gave me a beating one day. And this is at the beginning. It was like a 45 minute beating until Ken's phone rang. Thank God. So he had to go. It's like, holy shit. Yeah, Vern. And Vern was like, he'd, he would be beating on me. And he'd look at me for a second. He'd go, bro, I'm sorry. Bah, bah. I'm like, fuck. Ah. But it was, yeah. I mean, they're great memories, man. I it's funny shit now, but I went through it. I went through the ringer. Vernon, Vernon's a good dude. Vernon, I think, 
deserved a lot better than he got. I think, in my opinion, Vernon should have been Mesger, and guys should have been more like Vernon in, in the pecking order. But Well, here, let's – I mean, Vernon White, Ken made Vernon fight Frank Shamrock when they were both members of the Lions, then in Pancras. Yeah, but that's Pancras. That's money. It's a business. It had nothing to do with with uh, that. That's not rivalry. Look, listen, dude. We beat the fuck out of each other. Way worse in training. We we hurt each other in training so bad that when we got to the fights, the guys we fought were easy because they wouldn't do shit that we were doing to each other. All our fights were easier than any training we ever did. You can ask this of any of the real legit Lionsden guys. They'll tell you that fight day was a relief because it was nothing compared to training days. So if you train and fight harder than you're than you're going to do with guys way bigger than you, when you fight, it's going to be nothing. And that's that was that was a a, a good tool because that did work and that was true. At least for us. All right, Miguel, I'm going to I'm going to wrap up. Do you have anything before I got two more questions for? Uh, no, 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 go ahead. All right. So what is your fondest memory of the lion's den like the memory you enjoyed the most i got a, I got a lot man i mean i used to enjoy uh i had my roommate joe who was a special forces guy and he was also a a, a big time lion's den uh student i met him through the lion's den and we used to go on the weekends to pick up ken and ken would would uh uh, have have my buddy Joe go up to to his uh, apartment and pick up the ecstasy where he had it hidden, and we would go to these raves, dude, and we would be partying from like eight at night until like six in the morning, and you know you would be doing like four or five rolls of ecstasy, and your eyes would be fluttering, and you have you doing the light shows and girls and dang, then from there we'd go fuck these girls in like all these places and it was just like absolutely fantastic because we were young because that's the kind of shit you read about in fucking books of Spartans and gladiators and shit. You know, you fought, we then did a lot of fucking drugs. Then we fucked a lot of chicks and then we back to training again. That's all we did. My life consisted of waking up, beating the fuck out of other dudes, bleeding, sweating, catching the ringworm. And then going home, <laughs> showering, and going to eat, taking a nap, waking up, training again, then going to work where you're beating the fuck out of normal Joes and practicing your moves. I love that, dude. On weekends at work, I would break shoulders, wrists, ankles. Then I would know the amount of strength and tensile tendency it would take to break something. If you practice on regular people, you get like when you were bouncing. Yes, every weekend I break something, like all the time. As long as it happened inside, it was cool because they can't sue you. You know, uh, rock bottom lawyers really good. But if you did it outside, you're fucked up. Don't hurt people outside. Hurt them in the club, while well, it's their mistake. So yeah, we. I mean, I my fondest memories is everything, man. I mean, the whole entire experience. You know, going to Michigan and fighting there. Uh, that 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 dude where I shattered his orbital bone. And from there I went home and met this girl at the bar 
who I ended up dating for a little bit. I mean, I'm just saying that the the experience, experience. of the yeah. gladiator days, I lived into the max. The whole thing, the whole time was my my greatest memory. I gave you guys a small account of the greatest time in my life, man. I mean, a lot of it, like the shit that I, I got beat out of me at the bar and all that. Sure, it's fucked up, you know, but the stuff that led up to that beforehand, I mean, that was that was great. You know, it, it's shit happens that that uh, sometimes doesn't end the way the way you want to. But I hold no grudges against him. He gave me a chance. All these great things. If it wasn't for him, I probably would have done it with uh, the Randy Couture's team and not done drugs and probably still be doing it. So no, I'm well, kidding. Well, <laughs> what about your what about your darkest memory? Uh, probably darkest, uh, I'd say that honestly, Virgil getting fucked up and that British kid getting used like a fucking tampon by John for what that kid's the one should have made the team, man. He, he, that didn't make any sense to me. Like the worst part is when, when John steps in the ring with his kid from England, the kid from England, who's never fought before says to me hey i don't have a mouthpiece i go wait a minute i go hey ken he doesn't have a mouthpiece ken goes uh here and he grabs a piece of paper towel and he rolls it tell him to bite real hard i go what so he ended john ended up busting one of his front tooth or one of his side teeth during the the, the beating up but for john that was like getting just a body bag to beat up on because the guy first of all didn't know how to fight and he was dead tired because he did two hours of fucking calisthenics. And this fucking kid comes in fresh and just puts this kid out. He hurt him bad. And that's it. He made the team. So if everything I'm telling you, how I'm telling you happened, that guy's a, John's a piece of shit. He's not a legitimate fucking fighter. He's so, an opportunist who got used because he was the best looking one that could do all this shit, like, you know, help the guy when he ODs. So so the guy from Wales, I mean, my memory He was a firefighter. Is, he's from Europe. They wrote an article about this particular tryout, and they said he came in, he was heavy set, out of shape, not real athletic. It doesn't and, matter. But the article would go on, well, then he passed this test, and everyone's like, there's no way he's passing the next one. And then he passed that test. And he was just in the article kept writing saying, by the end of it, you're just like you're watching Rudy cross yeah. the you know the goal line. Exactly. And everybody was cheering for him because the, he shouldn't have passed the first test. And it was he was set up to fail and he pushed all the way through, including losing teeth. Yeah. And he was told, come back when you know a little bit about fighting because you you don't know how to fight. So you don't belong here. Yeah, how man. fucked up is that? How fucked up is that? He was. And his used... response was, "Well, that's why I'm here." Right. He did the same shit to Jens Pulver, but not in that sense. He just uh, after he did the tryouts from from what another team member said that after he made the the he went through the whole tryouts and made it. He was told that he was too small, and there was no no use for him in the Lions because he was way too small. So he left to go train with Militich. I I wasn't there, so you're gonna have to dig and find out if this quote is true. This rumor, 
But yeah, mm-hmm. I heard Jens Pulver also did the tryouts past, but then it was nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, it was nineteen ninety nine. I was there. I just telling you what I heard. So to me, those are mm-hmm. fucked up things that I don't agree with because you shouldn't use people like that. You know, that kid from England came halfway around the world to fulfill his dream. And he can't use them like bucks. a fucking tampon to, yeah. to, to pass this, this fucking piece of shit fucking woman beating motherfucker for what? Just so he could be his bitch boy. It makes sense to me. Well, you guys also had tryouts where like three or four people, four people did it. One person dropped out, three made it. And then it was okay. You passed the tryout, um, come back. And they, they just, they passed the tryout and they would never return. Right. A lot. A lot. Was it just to see if they could make it or was it just, there was something to turn them off? Uh, I think, I don't think they mentally were ready to to do that for the rest of their fucking time because okay. it, it's 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 a lot different. It's, I I put this uh, compared to like people that play video game warfare, and then you put one of those motherfuckers in a in a real firefight and, ah, and freak the fuck out. It's not it's not it's not like you imagined it, you know. And a lot of these guys, after uh, they're physically fit. But mentally, they weren't. So you could have the greatest genetics in the planet, but if 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 you don't have it upstairs, it's it's worthless. You know what I mean by that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like wow. and, and like Ken is a genetic freak. The guy obviously was gifted. He was born to fight because that's that's his thing. Miguel, these stories from the Lions Den. Like, there's a couple gyms we're obsessed with. The Lions Den, obviously, being one of them. Holland. Did you train in Holland as well? Yeah. At Dolman's. Okay. Chris Dolman's gym. Okay. Yeah. Holland, that 90s, 1990s. Are you talking about Holland, Amsterdam? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Chris Dolman's gym in Amsterdam. That, that era, 1990s in Holland, was just... It's something that they need to make a Netflix special on. Like people oh, get murdered. I got injured. stories. I I uh uh I went there to train and Chris Dolman beat the f- he's another dude I got the shit and I, I, I admire all these people that beat the fuck out of me in there in an absolutely fantastic way. Chris Dolman was another one, but Chris was not like Ken. Chris you you know Chris Dolman who I'm talking about? He sure. imagine yeah. Santa Claus, but of jujitsu and bad as fuck. This this dude this dude basically pretzeled me. He would he would uh he would put me in positions where I couldn't even move or breathe and he would and he would say, Oh I, oh I'm sorry, hang on and he'd shift till I could breathe a little he goes, Is that bitter? And then he'd slap me. Dude, the guy was he was fantastic. I had, I had the greatest time and I'm trying to think uh of uh uh, Alistair Overeem's brother, because he's another dude that beat the fuck out of me there. Valentin. He was there at the time I started training. Valentine, Ed, Ed the Cruz. Yeah, Valentine. Uh, yeah, all the all the all the early guys from uh, Chikaruki Gym. As amazing. Yeah, I have, I have a lot of uh, uh, experiences, man. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. The Kikaruki gym, I believe, is the oldest gym in all of Europe. There's one boxing gym in Ohio that's older than it, like in the world. But it's that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Tony, you are filled with stories. I, I don't know if you've ever thought about writing a book or not in regards to this. A lot of people say that. They tell me, but I don't know. That's why I did it today, man. Maybe we could put some of these uh, groovy stories and uh, uh, mint them for life so people can well, like. What's going to be crazy is in about three days, you're going to be calling me with like 10 more that you didn't tell. Absolutely, because I'm about to trip balls and try and bring back some other shit that I'd forgotten about be like, oh, I can't believe I didn't tell him this. Because Tony, I, I got a lot of that. You throw me them texts, we'll come up with a little lineup and we'll have you back on. Dude, I, you know, we started texting a couple days ago. I honestly feel like I've made a friend. Tony, I sincerely, sincerely appreciate uh, you coming on. Thank you. Yeah, bros. And I'm glad I was able to fill you guys with like the Fuck time yeah. and experiences because I'm sure you've had people that'd be like, ah, uh, uh yeah but i'm yeah, a talker yeah. man i like to talk for sure and one last thing before before we let you go we're going on two and a half hours here is where i'm gonna be in touch short or mike is gonna be in touch in short order try to get pd on because uh i actually saw a lot of pd's fights live the ufc stuff i was there when he knocked out coleman i was there so we would love to talk to him and uh you can help us ha make that happen yeah. that'd be great too he wanted to do this together with me today, but I told his ass, I go, dude, if you do, you're not going to be able to talk. <laughs> yeah. 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 Even though, listen, even though Pete is my senior, he's literally like my little brother. You That's know, cool. there was, there was a, uh, and the same, and the same goes for way. There was one time they all had a problem with me at the dojo and <laughs> Ken tells Wade, why don't you beat his ass? And <laughs> they all went like, no, he's uh he's our bro. <laughs> it was, they were they were they're they're my bros, man. I I I, I do miss him, but I'm glad they're all doing good. Yeah, yeah. So if, if, if you saw Ken today, how would it go? I I have I, it wouldn't go because I have we have nothing in common anymore. Like, look, I I'm I'm not a religious person. But I can understand why a lot of these guys that go from an extreme lifestyle of, of drugs and, and real bad shit to finding Jesus to fill that void because it's it's they need something to to fill that emptiness with with something that makes them feel I would not normal but but positive or like they're they're now doing good in their life. I don't need that. I don't, I think religion is another drug just, you know, for the masses in a different way. So I, I personally, I have nothing in common in, in, I wish him the best. I'm glad he found someone that keeps him sober because he looks sober. You know, he's, yeah. he's got his grandkids now and his life. That's great. He deserves it. You know, he had a really bad life, a real tough childhood. And uh, now, you know, he, this late in life, he needs to, he needs to enjoy it, but yeah, I, I there, there wouldn't be anything wrong or anything bad. I I have nothing against the guy. Like I said, I'm telling you guys, good and bad, because yeah. it's the experience. But it's, it's, it's not in ways. It's just what happened because it happened, <laughs> and it's cool. You know, you, you might as well learn about what really happened in those days that nobody really knows because all you see is the shit on TV and 
you imagine people a certain way, but you know, little do you know, we're completely different than you had any idea. So yeah, you, you carry a lot of respect. Like the guys, like I always do a pretty exhaustive research on people. And like Gerald Strebent is, is one of the people that I contacted. And he's like, dude, I got a ton of respect for that guy. He's like, he's a real deal. He's a real deal. He doesn't bullshit. And he's tough as fuck. That's nice. Yeah. Well, that's what people are saying behind your back. <laughs> that's good, bro. But in, 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 and to my face, they pretty much tell me I'm an asshole. So I'm doing better than I. Uh, yeah. They tell you the I truth got. both ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Tony, thank you, sir. I appreciate hey, your man. time. I, I will I will be texting you guys. Thanks for everything. And, 100%. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you, yes, sir. sir. Thank you very much. A pleasure to meet you. So, Mike, Lions Den member Tony Galindo in the books. You know, uh, wow. What can I say? You know, um, uh, you know, we knew Ken was one of those people that burned the candle at both ends that just ran a thousand miles an hour. And I think this, you know sort of confirmed and filled in a lot of pictures and stuff like that, you know. Um, yeah, very interesting. Well, very interesting. Do you know how hard it would be to compete with all the injuries, the fused neck, the addiction issues, family chaos? Like uh, when we interviewed Scott Basak, he said, I mean, the one common factor is, is that Ken didn't like to be at home. He liked to be at a bar. And once he got done shaking hands and signing autographs, they'd go to another bar and repeat you know, that cycle over and over again. And, you know, the thing what Galindo offers is he's <clears throat> right after the sack. The sack leaves, Galindo comes in. So we've got the first wave of Lion's Den guys captured with Scott the sack, which was crazy, but nowhere near where this is at, at this point. So this is the second wave. Yeah, you know, it, I mean, you know, Ken at some point crossed that line, I think, you know, from all indications, I think the career shows it too, from, you know, a guy who the UFC won in the first one, he had Japanese credentials, the Japanese, you know, were, were working with him, he was being a conduit for other fighters, but somewhere I think that, that this partying type of thing took over and, you know... Are you a fighter or are you a partier? And I think at some point that decision was made for him, you know, and he, he you know, unfortunately, because the end of his career, I don't think is what he wanted or what he would have pictured at the very beginning. And it's unfortunate, but I think that that's baggage of this type of lifestyle. All right. So this interview actually speaks volumes of Jason DeLucia. So Scott Sack. And, and uh, Tony Galindo talked really about the partying and how nuts it was where with the Lions Den, where Delucia really talked about the fighting aspect and the emotional ties and his bond with Frank Shamrock. Like, we've really got three different, like, views of the Lions Den, all of which are of equal importance. Like, that Delucia interview... If you guys are listening to this and you haven't listened to to that one yet, it's probably one of the best ones we've ever done. Yeah, I think I think what you get in the Lions Den is you get in the early days with Pete and Jerry coming up after Ken. You know, Ken made I think made a business association with Guy Mesner. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So guy had a dream and they became business partners and stuff. But their their personalities didn't really click either all all that great. Although I think Ken probably, you know, once he got him in the gym once or twice, you know, let him know what was up, you know, kind of thing. It's interesting Tony's perspective on on you know the Oklahoma and Texas Lions then guys being more those were the really professional guys. I don't mean to say Tony wasn't a professional. He didn't have potential as a professional fighter. But at the end of the day, this partying stuff derailed his career. And he, you know, at that point, Admittedly. yeah, and, yeah. you know, yeah. there were guys. Uh, Joe Hurley's another guy that topped off, you know, lower than Ken, you know, lower. They didn't make UFC kind of thing and stuff like that. So once those guys, and, and he said he was, you know, how did that work? He, didn't, he wasn't clear. He said, obviously, even if he's making a thousand bucks for the fight, Ken got a piece of his money. Did they pay but, Ken? And Ken gave him some or none? Or, or did he pay and actually say 20% to Ken? You know, he was, or, I didn't get, or was that the house fee? Yeah. It yeah, ran I, like a Japanese style. It could have been 100% Ken. Ken supplied right. the food, you know, uh, yeah, in the house. I, I, that's, that's probably the way he probably. <laughs> Got all the pay went to Ken, and then Ken distributed whatever he wanted to the fighters. And at some point, you know, whatever, you know, um, it's uh, yeah, it's an interesting window into into the struggle and how you know a, a good top notch team that you know they could have made more money off of marketing Lions Den shirts and stuff. I've seen somebody where you know. If they could have kept it going like an AKA over decades, you know, with a couple of those guys, you know, seminal young guys, like what's Vernon White doing right now? Why is Vernon, what is Vernon White doing besides owning a gym? Why doesn't he own a gym if he owns doesn't own a gym? You know, is he working in a gym or does he own a gym? You know, I don't know, and I'd like to He's find a phenomenal. He'd be phenomenal seems, coach. Yeah, yeah. You, you know. Galindo pointed it out that, you know, in many ways, Vernon was the more se most serious one there, you know, um, in terms of martial arts and stuff. I think I think that's what you get. I think you get certain guys. Uh, War Machine is another one. I think you get guys that are, you know, they wouldn't be Lions Den fighters circa UFC 5. But it had gotten watered down. There were other reasons for it, like, you know, Ken's uh, you know, personal needs, taking care of him and stuff. Hey, what you have there is an immense ego, and that's that's Ken. You know, here, I mean, for it, all the benefits of it, if he wasn't that intense, including the drug use, he might not be a, as great a fighter either because he did was one of those that burned the candle at both ends. You know, you need one it, to feed the other. It's interesting the way those personalities work. You know, well, and let's look look where he came from. Like him, both him and Frank. They came from like literally abject poverty. Their parents, birth parents, may not have been the best people, and they really didn't want them. They were wards of the state. Like that's that's a hard pill to swallow. And then to have somebody that's broken like that and to build them into a champion, that's an incredibly difficult task. And keeping them on course is even harder. And that's what these last few interviews have showed us. Yeah, you know, and, you know, kids that come from backgrounds without a lot of discipline, you know, they have the tendency to just sneak and try to figure out a way to get their way and do their things and stuff, you know. So all the while, Ken's getting support, 
and the big push is, is the Lions Den owner, and you know, with Bob's backing. And um, you know, on the side, he's doing his dope and you know, doing his lifestyle stuff. And yeah, that snowball picked up a lot faster than his career snowball. And I mean, his career snowball is not bad either, you know, going downhill as you get bigger. But it looks like his addictions far surpassed his output on the MMA side or fighting side. You know, sometimes like when you take in systems from other countries, even Brazilian jiu-jitsu, once the original form of Brazilian jiu-jitsu came to the United States and they saw the American wrestler and the catch wrestler, jiu-jitsu changed quick. Like it was a very fast transition to where it's at today. And I think Ken's, I'm not going to say addiction. I'm going to say like his, his want to follow the Japanese system with a culture that couldn't be more different than Japan. I think there was probably some adjustments he needed to make in his own system in order to make Lion's Den successful. And I don't think he could get away from that. Like he was always like, like Josh Barnett, young boys, like even using the lingo and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, interesting. And, and it can't, you, you, you're never going to adapt the, the, the Japanese system completely because their culture it's is different that rep, uh, venerates older people, you know? And I think, I think one of the things, I think this is a, an exact quote from Tony is that people never respected Ken, like including students banging his wife, but they feared him. So he was a guy that wanted to scare people, but didn't do the work to earn the respect, which I think, you know, on the end of the day, Funaki's and Suzuki's and, you know, Carl Gotch and those people, they also had people's respect in, in the communication part, the talking to them, the coaching them. That part is very big. And Ken seems to really shut down on that. Like, he, he, he doesn't well, do it. Let, let's push it even further. Like, like what you said, like with respect, fear and respect. When we interviewed Bob Myrowitz, the owner, original owner of the UFC, he said, oh, Tank Abbott's marketable. Tank Abbott, Tank Abbott. And then we're like, okay, well, what about Ken Shamrock? He's like, eh, he just just didn't have it. To where you and I are watching Ken on TV at home going, dude, we're Shamrock fans. Like, hell yeah, bro. You know, go in there and represent, you know, America. And even by Myrowitz kind of fell into that same example that you gave. I mean, he admitted it word for word almost that I had said in our interview with him. Yeah, Ken's ego was probably big enough at that point that he missed a chance to, you know, embrace the owner of the UFC and become the poster boy. You know what I mean? Yeah. He didn't even recognize it because he was too busy saying, oh, I've got a gig in Japan or whatever, and, and you know, playing it off or, you know, maybe it was big, maybe it was a big deal, maybe it was, you know, a lot. My, my understanding, and I was involved in some of it too, is, is Japan was very useful in that, you know, if you had an offer, you could go over there. Uh, it just elevated your career. The, the real secret was that few people were paid big money there. You know, very few people were paying Eric Paulson. Yeah. Like a lot yeah. of the guys, a lot of the guys, yeah, yeah. You know, like for example, Funaki's first MMA fight, he fought John Rankin. Um, Rankin made $3,000 for that fight. You know, so it's like they, they, it was a facade, but it could be used. Meyerowitz had no connections in Japan that he could verify 
incomes and things like that. And Ken was probably higher paid, but Delusha may not have been at that point. You know, they're playing off. They they played off Japan like like they had something big over there or could just as he leave you be and go pursue their career over there. And that wasn't the case. You had to cobble together fights to make a career. You know, you couldn't go just concentrate in Japan until, you know, later on. So anyway, very, very, I appreciate Tony coming forward. I, you know, smart guy, smart yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, definitely uh, not a dummy. Yeah. Yeah, and so, you know he played at a high level. Uh, we got good stories out of him. Um, you know, I would like to more gotten more in ring stuff. Like you know, Ken did go through the Tito. You know, and, and it's interesting. One of the things I wanted to ask him, and I missed it because, you know, better to let him talk. But the real root of Tito versus Ken is actually Tito versus Guy. And oh yeah, Linda doesn't like guys. So Frank. And Frank, I would, I would yeah. have liked to have seen more of or gotten more of his insight as, as Ken prepared for that because it was like to protect his guys or 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 what was his feeling or was it just something that he was just had blind? I don't know. I, that's what it, that's what I missed, and hopefully we'll get him back at some point. So well, he didn't you know, want to talk too much about fights, though. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's plenty of. I mean, every weekend must have been nuts. I mean, based on it, either Ken what do you mean? beat the well, dog. What, what the hell's a weekend? Who cares? Tuesdays I mean, were probably nuts. Wednesdays, Thursdays, <laughs> Fridays. Yeah, you know, Fridays more nuts. Saturdays more nuts. Sundays, you know. No, yeah, I, I, I mean, you know. Like I said, I think that that's the snowball that became bigger in his life than the fighting, and I'm sure that Ken carries some of that baggage. I'm sure he has some regrets that way. Um, He's, he's also very different. Like they, it, I don't know for a fact, but if he found Jesus or or he's found some comfort in his good older age, yeah, good for him. Definitely good for yeah. him. Hopefully, good for him. You know, he's not carrying a lot of, uh, you know, guilt or baggage or anything like that. But uh, you know, hey, anything you know, anybody can do to make themselves better, I can't hold it against you. Let me wrap this one up, dude. All right. So in my research of Tony Galindo. I found out a very important fact. Ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> if you want to go find the most jaded mixed martial arts fans, go to MMA.tv. Fui needs to be the moderator over there because John Morgan, who can't do push-ups according to Kobe Covington, he's not pulling his weight over there. It needs to get ousted so Hong Kong Fui can be put in charge. See, I'm emoting right now, Miguel. That's pure West Sims. That's how he told me to say it. So the Underground Forum, guys, go visit there. Highly suggest that they always back up our podcast. Greatly appreciated. MMA Purist, Rambo, John Jay, of course, Crowbar, who lined this up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we'll see you next week. Check out the full interview on iTunes, Spotify, and all major podcast platforms.